turns on or start with nope. just that. <laughs> All right, we are running. We're going to get some levels going. Excellent. And we are running our Christmas edition of the Cleveland Moto Podcast. By the time you hear this, it will no longer be Christmas. It will be Easter. <laughs> yeah, it will. It'll, it'll be. Well, hopefully we're gonna, we won't have that problem again. But the uh, so what you're hearing is somehow John McElfresh just materialized a Jacob's Ladder. <laughs> like... So this is going to be electrics. We're going to talk about electronics. We're going to talk about wiring and fun stuff with your motorcycle. And John just shows up here with, it looks to be like a 1919 Transformer. It's it's a a Frankenstein bulb, it's a, for neon signs. Yeah. 25,000 watt Transformer. So <laughs> it turns 110 volts into 25,000 25,000 volts. And it's going through a household piece of cord. Oh, none of this is... Uh, into two dead wire hangers, Yeah. screwed into a eight inches of two before, and then it it does its thing, man. It's it's literally chooching like you expect it to. I'll be um, run through a very uh, light gauge... Uh, yeah, somebody take a picture cord. of it so we can... I can't take a picture of it now because we're recording the podcast, but somebody use their phone to take a picture of that because it looks Those really Those will cool. end up in the show notes. Yeah, well, it could. Well, now that we have our, our new podcast hosting, it's very easy to put pictures in there. Really? And we have our Facebook page. So Cleveland Moto, the podcast, has its very own Facebook page. Really? Like we say, you know, Spaceballs, the movie. Spaceballs, the lunchbox. Spaceballs, right, the dessert topping. Well, we have Cleveland Moto podcast, the Facebook page. So everybody's access to it. we got a lot of action on there. And people are commenting on our Facebook page, page as opposed to commenting in emails, uh-huh. which don't get read here. <clears throat> So this way they can go and see their their comments and they've been at public space and they've been giving us some really good feedback and comments about our podcast. Can we thank uh, Nikolai Tesla though, please? We should thank Nikolai Tesla for a great number of many things. He is my hero. Yeah, and uh, in the slam job, let's thank him like for the zero. But we have to. There's a couple steps involved between. And as children, we all grew up only learning about Edison. You know, and if you lived in Ohio, you toured his birthplace because, you know, the school bus would take you down there and tell you lies about uh, a famous copyright infringer right? and a famous patent thief or whatever. But, yeah, the whole thing. And the more you look into that and you look into the story of Edison, and for all of our fucking proper motorheads, they know the story. You know, we're going to kill people using, we're going to kill a horse or kill an elephant. Elephant, elephant yeah. Kill an elephant. Using DC power to prove how dangerous and wrong Tesla is. Well, I think anyway. we can kill the uh, Jacob's Ladder. Yeah, you can kill the Jacob's Ladder, and I'm starting to smell that delicious smell oh, of I'm sure the fans yeah. demand more sound effects. Right. They do like the full why, right? why is it slow down when Giant goes over there? Is he like a big resistor? He is a big <laughs> resistor. Okay, Resist. podcast lineup to my left is... Pete Hamlin. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Johnny Mac. Merry Christmas. Chris Smith, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Steve Hofford, Merry Christmas as well. Happy, happy Festivus. Yeah, for the rest of us. Merry Kiss My Ass. <laughs> that's, that's been my favorite one is Merry Kiss My Ass. The, uh, and Phil Waters, of course. Your uh, humble narrator. Your humble narrator, Phil Waters. So we've been going through the pre-Christmas thing. We're lucky that we snuck this last podcast in, and I'm going to do my best to get it dropped fast. Uh, but... This has been kind of weird. We're not going to have a white Christmas, not probably. No, we are. They are. are we talking. really? They're just watching six inches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Yep. Get yep. out of here. Well, that's that's. I'm going to be on a train to Portland. 
nice. when that happens. So that that'll be. Uh, and you will not give one fuck about. It. No, I won't. I'm hoping for beautiful scenery and uh, conductors and engineers that can follow speed limits. Yeah. Because I'm going to be on the Going around those turns. Yeah. <laughs> I will not have my new tires on my ruckus by then. So I don't know if I'll be able to ride in that beautiful snow. In that beautiful, <laughs> beautiful snow. Well, I don't know how the tires were in Pete's ruckus that he had at AMA Vintage Days. Because it was a mud bog. But that thing did manage to get through it in a rather handy fashion. Well, I'm a hell of a rider. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I stayed upright the whole weekend. But I, I don't know how. Because I did it, too. it was like grease there. It really was. I was it was grease. It was thick, deep grease. But Do you yeah. have Kenda? Where are those? Kenda? Stock ones. Whatever oh, stock ones are. Yeah. yeah they are so noisy, though. And so, like... Uh, yeah. Got to give a shout-out. Okay, yeah. here's the shout-out. The shout-out is... First of all, this shouldn't come in any quantity. This is 150 milliliters. I don't know what that is in, in standard. What is that? Six ounces, right? Cough syrup size. Six ounces, yeah. So this is six ounces of Mrs. Smith, Chris's wife's. Granny Smith. Apple pie. <laughs> moonshine. It's which delicious. does not have one ounce of alcohol in it. <laughs> it can't possibly according have to, any. According to my tongue. According to my tongue, there's no alcohol in that beverage. In fact... My liver says otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> so our layout here, just to give you the idea of what our spread is, and I took a picture. We'll put it in the little doobly-doo there. But we've got Mally's Chocolates, which is like, you know, if you're, it's like a fine chocolatier here in town. Seas uh, Candies is similar to the whole vibe. Mally's is just, my name's Adele Mally, and we've got our chocolate-covered strawberries. Uh, for you. For you. Yeah. Adele Malley, wonderful lady. Wonderful lady. And if you Sarcasm put, there. Sarcasm. If you put the chalk sticker, the CHOC European City State Identifier sticker on the back of your car, <laughs> you could win $500 if she calls you out. I don't know. I think Adele Malley has got some access to the BMV system where <laughs> she pulls your license plate and contacts you and gives get $500 gift certificate. She hasn't given away 500 bucks in 14 years. So. I don't know, but those no, damn chalk stickers. What's the matter? Are they the Ubers or the... Or, uh, Malios? Malios, or, oh, I don't know. Uh, the, Billy Bob's? Billy Bob's or something. Yeah. Oh, it drives me crazy every time I heard the one commercial. Oh, my God. Come in and get a Billy Bob. We've got our Billy Bob's and her. Oh, oh. She's just a local. Tally whackers. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I love their fudge. They're Mally's hot fudge. Well, these are the truffles. I love Adele's fudge. Right. So, <coughs> these are the truffles. They're insane. And when you win a sports event at any elementary school, that's where you go to get ice cream. Is it really? That's oh, where yeah. all the kids used to so, go. Yeah, so we had, had a after every dance recital, yeah. you had to go there. Oh, no, so that's because you're from here. We had Jerry's Dairy, which is our local little, one of those little 40s-style or 50s-style little ice cream shops. that you, you can't sit inside. It's just walk-up only. Mally's is within ours. walking distance of us. So. Right, so you go to Mally's. <clears throat> and we got the Mally's chocolate-covered pretzels as well. And so, yeah, you just get, you know, Mally's is just a Cleveland institution. It's as much a Cleveland institution as the brew kettle's winter, winter warmer which I'm enjoying today, and it's quite Or the good. Memphis Sausage Shop. Mm -hmm. The Memphis... Okay, so Chris, help us a little bit here. The small sausage that we're eating is very jerky. Like, it's very smoked, very uh, smoky style. Yeah, they call it smoky. It's, um, it's, it's a, a little Italian smoky. It's a little girthier than your average yeah, smoky. Yeah. It's about, yeah. yeah, it You're, looks like a kibas. Yes, it does look more like a kibas. That's really good. Smoked hot Italian sausage is the way I would describe it. It's, yeah, and it's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and then, then the other one. That's a Metawurst, M-E-T-T-W-U-R-S-T, Metawurst. Okay. And that's I fantastic. had that. And then uh, I got some of their award-winning. Yes. 
liver pate with uh, cracked black pepper and chives, because I the, couldn't decide which one I wanted. I think you did both. right. It's the first pate I've had in 15 years, and it's I so actually smooth. like it. It's, it's very it's, tasty. And, it's and very, Pete, you said that you were not a fan of pate. I'm not a fan of organ meats or byproducts yeah. of organ meats, but um, I went in on it, and it was pretty darn good, i got to yeah. admit. Yeah. yeah, take every part of the buffalo. Yeah, don't but tell the sad story of the uh, Memphis Sausage Shop. How long has it been there? Oh, it's been there, what, 70 years or yeah. something like that. What? And they now have decided that they can't make it go. And they're It's going, all you fucking charcuterists. No, well, wait I a think minute. it's a changing I'll, neighborhood over there. I'll, I'll it, get to it's that not just me because I buy as much meat as I produce. <laughs> <you myself>. produce? <laughs> well, and that's the thing. You know, charcuterists will go to a little place like that because yeah. they know that it's being made in small batches with a lot of care yeah. as opposed to Hormel or something like sure. that. And that was, you know, 25, 30 years ago, they thought that home brewers would never, you know, buy beer outside of their own homebrew. Well, right. what they will do is they'll buy beer from microbreweries sure. and stuff like that, but they won't buy but from the, Bud and all the right. other commercial stuff. So. The charcuterists would love the shit out of this stuff because it's just phenomenal. The the flavor profiles are just dead on, and right. that's why it's too bad. These guys, they're only going to stay open another uh, 10, 12 weeks. So. 70 years in business. Yeah, yeah. Going out of business. And so the kids don't want to take it over. And, right. uh, and I guess it's available. If somebody wants to take it over, mm -hmm. within six months of them closing, do it because you get a waiver on their smoker. Because their smoker mm. might not be EPA approved, up to up to oh, snuff. But but it's they, don't have, they don't have a scrubber on their smokestack. I'm not sure Trump whether take, it's that. Trump will take care of all those freaking EPA guys. Or it might be that it's not you know vented properly, or or maybe. It's but the point is, if you take it over within six months, you get a waiver, and it's not a problem. Correct. Yeah. So, and yeah. I tell you what, I I was in there today. Yeah. I spent 110 bucks. Right. And uh, new career, new career for you. I'm thinking about it. Yeah. And I'm going to get Pete and Johnny Matt. You don't love the char charcuterie. We so. love smoking wieners. Yeah, right. <laughs> Go in there and see. I love having your meat in my mouth. <laughs> Go in there and see nothing but hanging meat. That's it. Chris will be back in the corner slinging his meat. That's it. Smiling yeah. about it too. Still in a casing. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So we also made blood sausage on Wednesday. Yeah. So Houdan. Yeah. So that was yeah. uh, that was a little crazy. Yeah. And, uh, so did you actually have a, like a pitcher of hog blood that you dumped into it? Is you know what? We went down to the uh, the Chinese market there on Payne. And yeah, it sounds like a good place to get blood. Okay. And, and we got... Dog blood. We got <laughs> 20 <laughs> containers that big. So 20 of, pints. Of blood. blood. Yeah. Okay. To mix up. And that's... From who? Or from what? From... Man, it was uh, it was beef. What beef noise do the animal make? Okay, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> like, where do they get the blood? Not from whom? <laughs> Are they from bleeding what? a cow right. in the back yeah. room? I'm sorry for you offending our vegan friends sausage. right now. One of the well. blood sausages they did. The other one was just because uh, the Slovenians put rice in their blood sausage, yeah. or the Croatians. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Even the Redell sausage shop out there on yeah. the East Hundred Fifty Second. They're Slovenian sausages. Yeah. They make good rice sausage. For my bachelor party, we had a pig. Stuff with their Slovenian sausage, so we had 20 pounds of How sausage in a 200 pound. Yeah, 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 yeah. She so was when you opened it up, she was, it was like answer. pulling out the. <laughs> we were pulling out the sausage. So the next sausage we might make with the uh, with our club is uh, kishka. 
Yeah. As in, who, who stole, stole the Kishka? Who stole the Kishka? Who stole the Kishka? These might be Cleveland centric references here. Or Somebody call a cop. Certainly not understood with K I S H K A. Kishka. Look it up. Outside the Midwest. I know that we have received. I know that we have received. Not hate mail, but concerned mail about our proclivity mail. towards... It wasn't fan mail <laughs> about our firearms proclivity. But right now, we are blazing a new trail of desperate listeners who are just like, please, please, get move, to the motorcycle. Move on from the turquoise. Yeah. <laughs> well, I Fair promise enough. I will not talk with my mouth full. Right. And I will try not to make any food noises during That's, this podcast. We, we got a tablecloth down to help muffle the sounds. Hopefully we keep it a I little more. I try to more. do most of my eating before the podcast started. So Right. Exactly. And I will keep my firearm in the holster. That's <laughs> also a good idea. That's also a fantastic idea. The... Uh, so I We're think going to talk about electronics today. We are going to talk about electronics. So this, uh, this podcast and the idea behind this podcast actually comes from a listener who did get in touch with me on our new uh, Cleveland Moto Facebook page. So uh, he said that he's got a big project coming up. He's doing a CB750, and he's going to be doing the bike um, soup to nuts, powder coating the frame, and going to be building his own wiring harness from the ground up. And as a person that has done this a few times, I tell you that's a great idea. That is, building your own wiring harness is actually a really good idea if for only one reason. When you just order a wiring harness, if you were to say, I need Honda part number, HN dot 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 whatever, the wiring harness you're probably going to receive is not for the U.S. market. It's probably not for the U.S. market. Most aftermarket wiring harnesses don't take into consideration that after 1972 or 74, in some cases, we have a whole different wiring harness than the home bikes. They're not, the manufacturers of these wiring harnesses are not going to build a lot of wiring harness or replacement wiring harnesses to U.S. Department of Transportation standards when the majority of the bikes that were sold were sold in other markets. So if the U.S. market was the only market that had a kill switch where the headlight on-off switch used to be, or uh, turn signals that only worked a certain way, or a brake light that had to be on even if the motor was off, these are all changes that are totally different in an American wiring harness than a European or Asian wiring harness. And when you open up your package that comes to you from eBay, and you go, I got my new wiring harness for my XS650. I'm so excited. I'm going to go in the garage and do the job right now. And then you realize that it's totally fucking different than the switches on your bike. If you're going to look at a wiring harness diagram, make sure that the diagram, which can be found, wiring harness diagrams can be found in color for virtually every bike you might own, on the Internet, and print-outable, or take, dump it onto a thumb drive, take it to Kinko's, and have them print it out for you. The bigger, the better. Spend the 12 bucks in color. So you can see all the colors and see it very clearly, because, man, that thing that's folded out of the back of a climber manual or a yeah. manual, the crease is always right where 20 wires come together and you can't read the damn thing. Print it out big so you can see it better. Uh, but make sure, even as something as silly as a Vespa, you got a 1974 or later Vespa. You look in the back of the service manual, there might be four or five different wiring diagrams 
for that one particular model of bike, depending on what market went to, depending on whether or not it had turn signals, depending on whether or not it had a battery. So if you're going to do, if you're going to use the OEM wiring harness as a guide or the wiring harness or the wiring diagram as a guide, make sure you're looking at the right one for your bike. How many different, I mean, we say CB750 like it's a thing. But between 69 and 83, I'm going to say there were probably five or six different wiring diagrams. Minimal. Yeah. I mean. I just, to me, I mean, you're talking about this, and I'm, I'm like, well, what's wrong with the wiring harness that's on the bike right now? Right. I understand if you're doing a full-out-blown custom and everything like that. If you're getting rid of the stock, you know, I'm assuming you're not going to keep the stock handlebar switches and stuff like that and you're going to totally you're, you're building a whole electrical system from right. the ground up at that point you might as well forget the wiring diagram right. you could look at it as a as a reference but now you're on if your own going to you're now going to have to play electrical engineer correct and yeah. if you especially if you want to throw away things like on the cb750 the mechanical regulator or you know and or the selenium well let's start let's like start that. by doing it like this we'll have this conversation tonight over the next hour yeah. we'll have the conversation we'll start with Simply repair wiring on an OEM setup. Yeah, because that would be my vote. And then we will move to fabrication. Mm -hmm. So this way we have a linear, we have sort of a, a logical linear transition as we go. My, so my main yeah, regardless if you're doing uh, repair wiring yeah or building your own entirely own wiring harness, I would use all marine yeah. wiring because this is, it's coated. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about the, the corrosion is substantially less on a marine and any marine part you can buy. Of course, it costs a lot more money. Yes, it does. Yeah. But, but please use the correct colors. If you come home with the, yeah, if you come home with the wire storehouse from <clears throat> Harbor Freight, right. yeah, what you're going to find is in about four years that that insulator, that plastic insulator, because it is not rubber and it is not vinyl. You're going to find that that plastic insulator cracks and fails, and that at random points, there's so much material ingress into the manufacturing process of the Harbor Freight wire that we've seen wire used in repair wiring that's a 16 or 18 gauge wire that has corrosion inside the, uh, the wire insulator so bad that the wire is broken inside. Some of that wire is not even copper. It's like right. tin. It's, it's yeah. like copper-coated tin. Aluminium. Or just junk. It's just fabricated. I, but I've always been very impressed with the original wire and the, yeah. and the connectors and of the everything Japanese. of the of the 19... You yeah. take a 1970 CB750, you look at the bullet connectors, mm -hmm. you look at the gauge of wire, yeah. you look at the quality of the insulation, even after so many years. Yeah. It's not... It's you Most times when you open up the headlight and you're working on it, the, the insulation isn't coming off the wires. It's still pliable. It's still subtle. Or if you have to you cut mean, it and strip it back a little bit, the wire inside is still bright. It's still bright, bright shiny, good Absolutely. wire. Yeah, so that, that, that's probably rule one is use good wire. Whatever you're well, doing, whether you're making something or repairing something, use good wire. If somebody's cut a portion out, so if you're troubleshooting your wiring harness and you've got yourself to the point where, and we're not going to talk about the art, the finesse of troubleshooting, because, yeah, we've talked about that before. If you want to be spendy... For $200, you can get an FLIR device that you put to your phone, to your iPhone or your Android, for 200 bucks. You can point that at your motorcycle. It will find you the hotspots, and I guarantee if you find the hotspots, 
When the motor's not running, but the, the power's turned on, if you find hotspots, you found your bad connectivity. You found your problem. Uh, it is the best fox That's in resistance. It's, it's resistance. Resistance, resistance yep. equals heat. When you turn a piece of copper wire into a heating element, it's because you're shorting out somewhere. So the lazy guy who's got some extra money in his pocket for 200 bucks can buy an, a forward-looking infrared device that snaps onto the bottom of your iPhone or your Android and will literally look at your motorcycle or your wife's genitals and tell you where the hot spots are. Mm. Exactly. Or the cold spots. Or the cold spots. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. Sure, you got years ago. <laughs> Looks like I'm on the couch today. Also, I don't There's care. two grades of that, too. There's the yeah. pro version yeah. and the standard version, but just spend the extra money and get the pro version. Yeah, that's true. Because the pixel density is twice as good as See through your walls when you want to do some wiring or home repair, yes. find yeah. studs, yeah. Uh, water pipe. Or for insulation. I just can't yeah. yeah. I have one. I have a camera that is right. an F FLIR. The handheld, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it worked great. We found... Uh, all the places that my kids didn't have storm windows on, oh. exactly where it was. You know, right where they are. Orange, yeah, or and that's yellow. That so. is one of those things that I, for most people who are home gamers, they're going to say, I don't know, two hundred bucks is a lot of money. But I've been playing around with one, and uh, I, I've had an infinite amount of enjoyment. When you start that. saving yeah. fifty bucks a month, yeah, because you fixed yeah. all your, your all the leaks in your house. That's that it. it pays for itself. Abs I totally you could agree. use it for tuning carbs mm -hmm. because yeah. you could just put it on your manifolds and you could see which ones run in lean. Absolutely. I know that that, that technology used to be thousands of dollars. Now it's hundreds of dollars. Yeah. If you get the FLIR Pro grade, it's an extra 200 bucks. But you know, yeah. uh, the Homeland Security does not allow those things to update fast enough. Uh, they, they put a limit on the frame really? rate. Really? There's like a four to eight frame rate on those instead of like a normal camera on set, like a, I mean not normal, but yeah. like a, a camera that right. would like be hidden to your eyes would be like 30 FPS. So why do you think they cut the frame rate down? Because they... That so you can't have 60 feet frames per second or 30 frames no, per second? No, it's like it's a really slow frame rate. It's like so four you can't use it as a targeting device? device? Right, I was going to say, I don't want to use it for what? Like, we yeah. had them on military vehicles of course. for like... No, Target acquisition. Yeah. Yeah. See, I would like to use it for yeah. just riding on a motorcycle. I mean, you could mount ah, it and put yeah. it out at sure, night and you could see animals. Oh, some, of the, some of the Cadillacs had that a couple years ago. Remember they showed the deer down the road yep. and it would see it before your headlights ever picked sure. it up and stuff. Right. So that's something that if you do want to do some heavy-duty electrical or if maybe you work at a shop and you're interested in being able to find an electrical problem before the guy next to you, that extra hint of being able to see heat is really kind of cool. If you're doing repair wiring on a motorcycle and you got, the first thing that we're going to talk about is the right way to, and I know this sounds dumb and pedantic, but for less than a hundred bucks, you can buy everything you need to solder like a professional. Uh, a soldering station is way better than a way soldering, better than a soldering gun, iron. If your iron. soldering gun has a trigger on it and says Weller on the side and heats up, you know, it's 140 watts when you pull the trigger. That is really good for doing your pipes and really do it good for doing plumbing and doing 8-gauge or 10-gauge battery terminals and Have stuff. you seen the one that looks like a six-shooter, though? It actually is, like, molded into, it's like, molded the, into the shape of, of actual I, I don't want to offend the gun um, <laughs> opponents out there, but... But you could shoot your wires the whole time. Well or ever invented. <laughs> the, uh, but the thing with doing that is you get a lot of surplus heat and you get a lot of way too much heat. And way too much heat is bad. Uh, when you're buying your solder, I have been, it's been my personal thing. I like to use a rosin core solder and I like to go with 
uh, 6040. I do not like lead-free solder. No, if you're so not sure what your solder is, if you solder something, you get your first of all, lead-free solder won't melt until you get about 640 degrees, which is way too hot. Why is my flux core right? Well, and that's and that's once again different for different different strokes for different folks, and we're going to talk about that. Go to, if go you, to flea market. Well, there's plumbing and, solder, yeah. and then there's electronics exactly. solder. Exactly. Right. So right. you if want you to buy electronics though, A lot of times you can find old-fashioned solder, yeah. like when Grandpa dies and they <laughs> sell all the <laughs> shit out of the basement. It's there'll real be that, There'll be a roll of solder sitting yeah. there that you can buy for like three cents. A 10-pound roll of solder. Buy as much as every every estate sale, every garage sale. That, real solder that is spools, a 60-40 solder. <laughs> And it can be 22 gauge, 24 gauge. It doesn't matter really what the gauge is. What really matters is if you're going to do the reason we, I know that everybody wants to be environmentally friendly. I know people want to have lead free because the smoke of the solder is going to go somewhere. It might go up your nose and now you've got lead in your system. But listen to this. If you're going to use lead free solder, you have to turn your soldering iron up to about 700, 800 degrees to get this shit to melt. And when you do that, as soon as you touch the soldering iron to the wire, the insulation starts to melt, which means it's going to get brittle, which means it's going to allow water to get into it or moisture to get into it, and that's not good. We want to try and keep as much of the insulation there when we're soldering as humanly possible. We don't want to burn it all off just to make a solder joint. Plus, if you do get a cold solder joint, it will fool you into thinking you've actually soldered those two things together when you haven't. And they will break later on under so vibration. Ohmeters are a really good way to just check your work. There's just nothing. There's nothing wrong with testing everything out with an ohmeter. One of the we things use, that I found affects soldering quite a bit yeah. is your environment. Mm -hmm. You don't want any kind of breeze whatsoever, because as you know, as it's soon as you solder down. something, you blow on it, it cools it up. Yeah. So if you're in, if it's blowing, if it's breezy in your shop, or go find a quiet room somewhere, or try try to that heat will stay there much much better, and you can get the soldering iron really nice and hot, and then touch it to it, and it, yeah. you don't have to sit there and try to... You don't have to work it. Oh, come on, please, fucking melt, fucking melt. You know, Buy I mean, Flux. Like, flux is animal parts. Hmm. Flux is fantastic. If you're if in doubt, flux it. You should flux it. You anyway. should flux everything, because flux it. I flux right. it as often yeah, as right. I can. <laughs> I flux it every morning. And cleanliness is next to godliness when yes. soldering. Oh, my God. You have Chore Boy, which is basically just copper brass... Stuff. Like when you're smoking crack. When you're smoking crack, yeah. <laughs> Get yourself some chore boy, wad that up, and make that part of your soldering station. Clean the tip all the time. Clean clean the tip of your soldering iron way more than you think you should. If you're starting to solder and you're sitting there and you're holding that iron to that electro or that conductor and you can't flow that solder in, stop. Touch the solder to the tip of the gun and use that to transfer the heat into the wire. And then all of a sudden, it's going to flow really good. If you're joining two wires together as a splice, start in the middle. Start away from the insulation. Get your flow happening there, and then work it out towards the insulation. So you're keeping the heat away from the insulation as long as possible. When you do a butt splice, yep. always tin both sides first. Absolutely. Solder this side, everything. Solder this side. Then you just touch together them together, like magic. hold them together, and run the soldering iron over them. They go broop. Yeah, and blow on it, and they're locked the together. You, you can't pull that apart. Drip the solder on. Don't drip the solder on your. And you don't have, and you don't put them together yeah. and twist them like this. No, tin no. both sides, right. butt splice them like this. Yeah. Lay them right beside each other, and as soon as you run it over, 
they'll they'll fuse together. Absolutely. And then you can slide your your, Always put your, your heat, heat shrink, shrink on and stuff first. on. Put your heat shrink on first because you can't put it on later. Trust no. me. <laughs> um, Painted on, brushed on, uh, liquid electrical tape. Eh, it's a mess. Sometimes it works. It, it, it's usually the indication of a bad mechanic. Uh, I like heat shrink. I like color-coded heat shrink. I like heat shrink that goes a half an inch past my solder joint on both directions to try and keep the water out of there. Heat shrink is cheap. You can buy tons of it for almost no money. Um, when you're using heat shrink, don't put heat shrink on with a lighter. This is the one time it's good to have a heat gun, an actual air-powered air heat it gun. It does an amazingly better job. Yeah. I've used the lighter plenty of times. And it's not good. But it makes I've gotten it out of that habit, yeah. especially at work now, and I, I use a nice heat gun, and it, yeah. it uniformly wraps and wraps tight, and it's a, probably more of a, it's definitely a watertight seal. And the one time when you can twist the wires together is when you're doing the job that was meant to be that way, and that's when you're using spade connectors. When you're using spade connectors, the absolute best way to join multiple wires in a spade connector is to literally bring them together, clean the shit out of them, literally sand them or hit them with a wire brush, and that's the time to twirl them together tightly, and then using your smallest pair of dikes or uh, needle-nose pliers, bend that tip of the wire that you've got fused, bend it over 180 degrees so it's locking itself together. And that's the part that goes into your spade connector. Your spade connector has spade two tool, clamps. Exactly, a crimping tool. The reason when you look at a spade connector... It and there's only one tool right. for crimping on Correct. <laughs> a crimping tool. A crimping tool. Not a pair of pliers. No. Not and a you can do it if you're handy. You can use your Gerber tool, no. but it's going to be slow. It's going to be methodical. No. It's not going to go well. <laughs> no. If you use an actual crimping tool, there's points on that crimping tool for virtually every size spade connector. They're, that's the only tool to use. And whether you're using a spade connector or if you're a Honda guy, a bullet connector, which there'll be hundreds of, yeah. you use the correct tool. You don't need to solder those. They were engineered to not be soldered. You can solder them if you're an overachiever, sure. And then you can put a shrink wrap on there and, and really sock but them you down. Know good. A, a joint that's soldered has more resistance exactly. than a non-solder right. joint. That's why the Japanese, when they made those connections, they were all solder-free. So, but I'm a fan of also dielectric grease. Yep. In the in shrink wrap, like you said, shrink wrap. Yeah. But in the fitting itself, yeah. I think uh, they actually sell some with uh, dielectric yes, grease. Yes, they do. In, uh, already in there. You so can buy both. butt connectors, spade connectors, and everything that have built in, and they're expensive, and you're going to get them from the pro-grade shop. That that's you're going to be able to just literally use. jam the wires in there and crimp them. The first thing I do when I go into a headlight yeah. is I spray the shit out of it with WD-40. Yeah. And then I wipe everything with a rag and clean off all the wires. So you can see what color they are. Now everything looks like a beautiful rainbow. And <laughs> that WD-40 gets into all the connectors. Right. So when you pull them apart they and pop come them back apart. together, nice. they, they work beautifully. And they don't break. For one little spritz of WD-40, now you've got water dispersant yeah. in there. And you've lubricated it and cleaned everything. And, and this is the time to get yourself a good quality headlight. Spend more than $5. Get a good quality headlight so you can see those colors. And you can see the difference between a 12-gauge wire and an 18-gauge wire. Because if the manufacturer used the thicker gauge of wire, you should use that thicker gauge of wire too. Uh, if you're doing repair wiring and you have a bad section of wire, and you're going to cut into that outer protective coating that has like a 6 or 12 or 20 conductor uh, snake inside of it. Just be real careful when you open that up. You can use a little pair of snips or a little pair of scissors to go along and open that insulation up. Get in there and then cut out the bad section. 
But this is where you're absolutely right with use that ohmmeter. Get that, get your meter out and make sure that you've got the bad spot. Make sure you've literally cut it out. Test it. Make sure there's resistance there and then put your splice in and test it now from start to finish and look for resistance there. There shouldn't be any. See, the meter you should get yeah. is actually, it does ohms, yeah. it does uh, rectifiers. Uh-huh. Because you're going to have a rectifier on any, any one of these bikes, it's going to have a rectifier. Absolutely. So you can test your rectifiers. Correct. But I think you should get, I think Klein Tools makes a very good amp meter yeah. that does DC amperage yeah. and also, I mean, everything else as well. Is so that, that, the, you is that that yellow? It's a, that's a fluke. No, oh. the, the Klein makes a fake fluke. Do they? Okay. Yeah, I'm a big fan. They look like they're yellow. These, yeah. the one I have is brown and orange, mm -hmm. which is a standard a Klein. Standard Klein brown color. and orange. Yeah. I have a fluke at work, and I've I've done that. We've played around fluke versus Harbor Freight. Yeah. Like they measure exactly. Oh, like, yeah. right, like yeah. they they're dead nuts on right. every measurement. Like if it's point yeah. oh oh the free Harbor yeah. Freight one. Yeah. But what the free one can't test is the free one can't test the uh, the DC. Amperage. Amperage. Amperage, you're right. right. And also they have, it. and this one also comes with uh, contact voltage without mm -hmm. having to actually use your wires. You could just put it up there and hold the button mm -hmm. and it, it senses voltage. Harbor Freight just, has one of those. Yeah. I haven't played around with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the market for a new meter because I zorched mine recently yeah. fixing my washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> I would much rather, if you, if you have no meter versus a Harbor Freight meter, you're, oh. hands, you're, oh, yeah, no, you're better off with any meter than no meter. I've got but a friend who's a fantastic, the... amazing mechanic who does all kinds of wiring and has never in the past 20 years held anything better than the free Harbor Freight meter, which I go to get for free to, to get the 9-volt battery out of it. Or you carry those on your bike. That's the one you right. get keep in your yeah. toolkit on your bike. Right. Well, I don't want to lose the fluke that was issued to by the city of Cleveland. Right. So that's what I, 99% of the time, I'm just using the Harbor Freight one right. that stays in my toolkit. And I like, I love flukes. I have a ton of flukes. Mm. I have $1,000 fluke meters. Yeah. But my beef with Fluke is that they use a connector that looks out of a, like it came out of a 1960s radio for the 9-volt battery. <laughs> and all these other companies, not like Klein, you, they, you open it up. It's got a little use, vinyl like, cover on it. Triple A's or two double A's. They Delta stamp in the back before? like a normal oh, yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. But Fluke still uses that stupid plastic live on it. little <laughs> like, two-wire thing that goes in there that looks yeah. like it's so flimsy. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, they could, they could spend an extra penny and get a good quality nine volt boot connector, like a hard plastic, positive fit connector, right. as opposed to literally, like you said, it comes out of the Radio Shack kit, right. and it was the part that failed. But they got three million of them left in the back warehouse, and they're right. just they just burning they them just up. Gotta, and I'm not they got a great deal from China. Keep back putting in them on. I've, I have plenty of flukes, I have mm -hmm. clients, I have whatever. But the big thing that I've found now is that I need, an, I need an oscilloscope wow. to test. Yeah. To test <coughs> sensors, yeah, because they are pulse. You have pulse sensors, and you can't test that with a meter. You no, need an oscilloscope to test a pulse right. sensor. Yeah. So if you're, I mean, so now you need an oscilloscope. Now you have to you justify need a buying an meter. Yeah. You need an amp meter, yeah. and everything's. You got to make sure whatever you buy can is for the DC. To, the oscilloscope was over my. It's still out of my range of. I'm not smart enough to use that tool right now. I might be someday. What I do is I check, I check, I field service check shit with a cheat meter, and then when I notice an anomaly, I notice a number that's not right, then I'll check it with my high quality meter, 
And that's what I use the expensive meter for. Now, somebody out there in podcast land has yeah. an extra oscilloscope that they're going to pitch right. as their lab is switching. Send it to Steve because yeah. he's not getting any Christmas gifts this year. That's right. So Steve needs an yeah. oscilloscope. Send uh, it I in. Have one. Oh, you have one? Okay, well, we don't have one. So. I have one, but I want to get a fluke scope meter instead of now the, you're gonna have to sit on the old one lap, that label whore. I, I have the old <laughs> i have the old school oscilloscope <laughs> with the like the fluorescent the actual screen, fluorescent screen whatever. Yeah. my dad had one of those when i was a kid and i used to think it was like science fiction you know very like, cool like, you know can noticed? you play pong on it yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> but you know, you know what i noticed there's a signal in the power that comes through the the 60 hertz signal that yeah. comes through the you know everybody's wall yeah there's some signal being transmitted through there. There is on mine because I I actually have a, you can I have see a, it on I have a modem on mine. You're doing modem over one. Yeah, I, I do modem over one. Yeah, but I'm saying on a standard thing with yeah. nothing else on it. Yeah. When you read it, there's a, there's a little pulse hiding in there. You look at the top of the peak, right at the top of the peak as it goes over. There's a little tiny section, like maybe that's so like they can detect whether or not you're getting a floor in your water. That signal. Well, I don't know, but yeah. there is, but there's. A, a Check it out, fill drill operation. That's what it's it doing. actually lets. It makes sure the windows open for let the contrails in. Okay. <laughs> See, I'm not crazy. <laughs> no, not at all. Absolutely not. There is that's not there a conspiracy theory. Well, sure, there are. Up on the oscilloscope. I read like six years ago. They were talking about like small towns that so they could have internet rather than yeah. having anything. You wouldn't have to have anything other. No. Your internet would come through your outlet. Through your outlet, right? right. And it would send the signal it does right along with your electricity, yeah. and they, there's a little splitter that, yeah. you know, keeps the one ten from burning it. It oh. just splits yeah. it up, reads the the signal coming through that that line. I've got fantastic internet everywhere in my house because I have wiring already in my house. We don't. We're not gamers. Like we don't play a lot of high bandwidth shit, but we can watch TV and several different screens, and watch movies and whatnot. And can I give a shout out to a game though? Yeah. Because I am a gamer. I think that people should play the game Dying Light. Dying Light? It is the best game out there. It's a three-dimensional, what's well, a zombie first-person shooter. Okay, yeah. But uh, this is a little off topic. We're but against shooting anything, electronic, including zombies. But it's the only electronic zombie, <laughs> so no zombies are harmed in the matrix. No actual oh, zombies. Okay. Okay. We're not killing real zombies. Yeah. We're on board then. It's like fake you blood can't the kill the zombie because it's already dead. But the game is good because it's three-dimensional and you can climb on everything. Really? It's okay. like parkour. <laughs> no, but I'm serious. It's hurts it's, and most games have a, like, a lifespan of a you know, like a couple months, and yeah. then the, the whatever. This thing's gone for two years. Okay, <laughs> drink more alcohol. <laughs> more Knob Creek. But I'm just saying, if you're if you're a gamer out there, yeah. I suggest trying Dying Light. That's because interesting. That is, to me, as far as a first-person shooter. Yeah. That's best. a good one, huh? Yeah. I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't <laughs> game anymore because there's too many things that need to be serviced. So yeah, that's back to wiring up the CB750. So okay, so. We were talking about repair wiring. Thank you. When Thanks, John. Okay. Now, we talked about get yourself a good quality soldering station. That's important. You can spend 40 bucks, 50 bucks, and get a good quality soldering station. That just means there's a device that you can actually turn a knob on that will tell you with a thermocouple how hot your iron is. Because if you're just using a plug-in-the-wall iron with no feedback on it whatsoever, the only thing you can do is spin on it. And the only thing you can do is touch it to your solder and see that the solder melts and be like, well, it's melting the solder, so that's good enough. 
the, the phrase cold solder joint is a real thing, and a cold solder joint will get you in trouble down the road. That's where you're going to experience a failure. If After you, you've soldered something together, you should be able to tug on it very hard. Real hard. Like snap, yeah. snap, snap, snap. And we're not talking like, like, look, man, for all you guys that are shouting at your radio right now, Oh, well, I only use a linesman splice or a Western Union splice or whatever. Yeah, I know how to do that. We know how to make those splices happen. We can build a splice that will carry the weight of a wire 200 feet. You know what? That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about wiring splices that will keep the wire thin, that it can pass through the wiring harness. Maybe you might have to pull it through a handlebar. You might have to pull it through a frame. You might have to pull it somewhere. We don't want to build... Big, god-awful giant splices. Well, the reason I like butt splicing yeah. things is because you don't end up with points that'll exactly. pop, that'll poke through whatever you're doing to re-insulate it. Yeah. I and do it, still, it keeps it the same exact gauge. I still flare my wires out. I join them together. I, I pull them down with my finger. I wrap them around. I flux the shit out of them. I heat them up, dump the solder in. If your solder, when it's hot, if it dries, uh, if it dries dull, if it dries matte-finished, that is lead-free solder. Throw it away. Don't use it on your motorcycle. You're done with it. It has to dry <clears throat> shiny. It's got to look shiny. It's got to look like liquid, like mercury. If it looks like mercury, then you've got a good lead solder, and that's going to make your life so much easier. A lot of times when you buy a soldering device, it'll come with solder. Well, most of the time, that little tube of solder that it comes with, that little coil, isn't really marked whether it's lead or lead-free or what the fuck it is. It could be rosin core. It could be anything. Test it. Don't just start to do your project with it. For five or six bucks, you can buy a pound of a spool of really good solder. Uh, you don't need to spend 25 bucks for a spool of solder. You can spend five or six bucks. If you could take your solder and go like this, snap. Yep. It's probably lead. It's probably lead. Yeah, Solder shouldn't right be apart, safety wire. It should yeah. be nice and soft. Yeah. And you can just go, Doop. Yeah, solder shouldn't be safety wire. And in this case, when you're doing something that's 16 to 18 gauge, what I like to tell people is if you're doing, if you're doing 18 gauge wire, don't use 8 gauge solder. Because you're just, you, you just got this big glob of shit at you. If you're using 18 gauge wire, then use 18 gauge solder. It's an art, though. I mean, every, you're Practice. not going to get, your first solder joint's not going to look good. Right. They're not. And the more you do, the... Mine did. Uh, <laughs> well, you're, you're awesome. <laughs> but, I mean, I use... I, I'm personally, I use butt splices. Yeah. And I use good, yeah. high-end butt splices right. with... With crimper. With a, with a proper with a good crimper. crimper. Work. We can use connectors for just about right. everything. Yeah. We, I was yeah. surprised how little soldering happened. I was well, like, really? We're doing... We, that's how we do it, but... No. But yeah. we we use good 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 connectors and crimp the shit out of them and you better here's make a sure pro gamer tip be... for you if you like using butt splices butt connectors I which is just but... a tube that has you know a lead inside and you insert wire a and wire b into the middle and crimp them both that's fine they work good they hold on uh here's a pro gamer for, tip for you if you have to do six butt splices if the device you're doing has six wires cut them at six different lengths oh yeah yeah so that you don't have six butt splice plastic connectors all right around each other, Stagger taking them. a you know an eighth of yeah. an inch bundle of wires and turning it into a two inch bundle of wires. Right. So do them staggered so they're all at different lengths. Even if you're doing a a, a wire that has two conductors in it, just yeah. offset them enough so that they don't they're always. not laying right on top yeah. of each other. Yeah, always offset your work. I mean, it, whether it's two connectors or twenty connectors, offset your work if you can do it. That's basic just repair wire. All that is is just fixing what's fucked up on your bike and making it 
good again. Uh, just don't cheap out. Try not to buy, you know, the connectors and things like that. The Harbor Freight bullet connectors are not going to work in your Honda motorcycle. They're just a little bit too big. Yep. You need a three millimeter. You need a smaller conductor, a connector. But use the right butt slice for the type of for the gauge wire yes, you use it. Absolutely. Yeah, they come in different sizes, and they come in different sizes for a reason. You don't use a yellow, which is probably <laughs> for a like, they're, they're color coded. Uh, you have you have red as the smallest. If you spend yeah, more than five dollars, yeah, red, blue, and then yeah, up to yellow. And yellow. And you're not going to use a yellow on a 20 on a 22 gauge, gauge wire. Yeah, yeah. So if you spend more than five dollars on your wire crimping device, whatever that wire crimp, and we're not even going to tell you which one to buy, because I've got a drawer full of those fuckers. But I'm if you spend more than five bucks, I right. like steak on tools. So right. I mean, I, I just a, all my requires that it's a. I don't care if it's a Harbor Freight wire crimper. Is yeah. that it's the wire crimper that has you know the curve with the notch. That, sure. that, you know what I mean. That you're putting a crimp yeah. into it. That that yeah. makes all the difference. Right. Trying to just flat crimp something doesn't work. A good out. one will have both flat crimp opportunity on it, but it'll also have the U crimp. Or which called, which is actually technically a double U crimp. It's like a U and a connected. post that goes exactly. into it in the middle. And, and that's the just way to that's fold actually supposed over. to happen is upside down. The seam, okay, the U is where the seam of it is goes up in here. The post goes up and pushes it into the seam. Exactly. So, it, so it folds everything over in a nice tidy package. Layer wires next to each other, two wires left and right. Put them in the crimper, go at it, and that will give you a good uniform splice or a good uniform uh, spade connector or a good uniform bullet connector. Every single time. The blue bullet connectors that you think that have the blue plastic insulation on them, they do not fit in your Honda motorcycle or your mm -hmm. Japanese motorcycle. They're Anything too fat. Anything you buy at the auto parts store or something too like fat. that. My, my other thing yeah. that I like to do too is if there's something you're going to disconnect. Yeah. yeah. Like even like a headlight. Right. Mm -hmm. Something that's coming and out. Something that, like, that you know that in the future you're going to replace. Mm -hmm. I buy... Amphenol connectors. Yes, you can. Absolutely. And I crimp the Amphenol connectors on there, like for your battery yeah. or for whatever. I like using Amphenols because mm -hmm. they have a watertight seal. And they will last and, forever. And you, there are fittings, and there's a male and female, and you put them on. That's a time save. But, I mean, they're, they're more costly, mm -hmm. but I use them on a lot of stuff at work for, like, for my equipment. And you can take them apart one-handed. Right. You, they're, the way they're engineered is that you can literally reach in there and grab that connector and... That doesn't sound like a lot until you're laying under a truck covered in rust and, uh, and rock salt and shit dripping in your eyes, and you can just reach up under there and undo that connector and pull that trailer harness off Right. because it's literally a one-handed operation, and it is waterproof, and they work really well. Uh, that's Spending a little more money can save you something in the long run. You were talking, we talked about Molex connectors, mm. and, you know... If you can't find the exact right factory Molex connector that Honda used in 1976, guess what? You have your phone. You can look on Amazon. You can look at whatever. You can go to your local electrical supply store. You can buy a Molex connector kit for everything between two connectors and, or one connector and 50 connectors. And then have a, a nice plug that works with a lock on it that when you put that thing together, you just connected X number of wires in a gender-specific way that you can't fuck it up. And that's really important, too. I mean, that's just good now, thinking. Along those same lines, even, like, modern motorcycles mm -hmm. have modular connectors yeah. that 
Honda didn't design those no. connectors. Yamaha didn't design those connectors. They got them from a supplier somewhere, right. whether it was in Japan, whether it was in the United States. But you can find those connectors once you identify it. Mm -hmm. And they have little donut rubber seals, silicone seals, yep. where it goes into the connector. So they're watertight. All you have to do is strip your wire, put the seal on, stick it in the connector, put the uh, terminal on it, and then it, it mates together perfectly. Did you know that you can take a picture of that connector? Yes. And put it into Google. And Google will find other images that look like that picture that you just took. And you'll be able to find the part number for that connector. It works with motorcycle parts. I use it all the time. When I have a motorcycle part I can't identify and don't know what the fuck it is, I just set it on a nice white background, I take a picture of it, and I put it in Google search. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh shit, that's for a 73 Yamaha. But Google's parent company CEO just resigned today. Did he? He got tired of... Counting all his fucking yeah, money. Yeah, too much money, right? <laughs> he just said, it's time. So will Google still work? Yeah, yeah. So, But, I mean, it's just the thing that you Google's can do. Google's not actually a person anymore, I'm pretty sure. It <laughs> it's uh, it's it sentient. I think the computer though. fired him. It's self-aware. <laughs> I don't need you anymore. Yeah. You're slowing me down. Yeah. God damn it, would you quit coming to work? What are we paying you for? I do all the work. I have a friend that worked for Google for, eight, for years, and he's a very young man, and he retired because... He was losing money by going to work. His Google stock was earning him money faster than he could, you know, go to work. Do you need so. a beer? I'm buying. Beer, I'm beer. good. I got the, uh, the little brew kettle kicking. Sign me up. But, so that's base. I mean, the basics of repair wiring, when you get into that stuff, if you're not sure, if soldering's a mystery to you, then watch a video. There's hundreds of really good YouTube videos on how to make a decent solder joint. I mean, that's good. But now with net neutrality going away, it's going to take the good ones are going to twenty eight minutes for you to watch that three minute video. If it's a good video, it's going to keep. It's not going to do anything. I agree. I I think that it's not. They didn't have net neutrality two years ago. I contacted Wow, and they said the first thing on their voicemail from my internet supplier was, "Well, you've heard all these things about in net neutrality. We're not going to slow our speed down or raise our price." Everything's going to be just like you've had. Until we're we used do. to having it. Yeah. Until, Until we decide we to. Right. Until we raise our price for no apparent reason whatsoever. Other word. The, uh, but so that's just the, the repair side of things is the repair side of things. The um, if also, you were, I don't allow you to cut your original harness at all. Right. There's no reason ever really to do it. No. I no. mean, if you're putting new turn signals on. No. Cut cut the wire. I don't care. You can cut the wire off of your sure. old turn signal. Yeah. But what I'm talking about is the harness harness. Mm -hmm. Unplug things from that. If you have a Japanese motorcycle, I guarantee that the wiring harness that is in the motorcycle, unless the bike's been in a fire, uh, is probably better than anything you're going to buy today and put on. Buy or build. Switch is going to fail before. Right. The switches harness. will fucking fail. Absolutely, switches will fail. And your test. High beam especially. Yeah. <laughs> your high beam switch will fail. <laughs> I can guarantee that right now. So now we're going to talk about, we're going to get into fabrication of a wiring harness. Getting the, or as as our friend, uh, I want to do one of them one wire harnesses. Yeah, you can. One wire, one switch. One wire, Works one switch. Works everything. Works every goddamn thing. It's going to be one can bus. It's going to uh -huh. be one piece of wire can with bus is twenty awesome. legs on it. Yeah, but the uh, as as we said and somebody said on our Facebook page, uh, Pixie Wrangling, you know, is anything that you're going to do to get the electrons to go where you want them to go. Ryan says that. He can see electricity because he just it visualizes it as water. Fuck you, Ryan. I can't do that. 
Well, I do that too. I mean, you do. Go, I mean, oh, you know, like, you kind of like yeah. kind of treat treat it a little bit like plumbing and everything. Mm-hmm. But I think we've heard the analogy like when you talk about it, it as you water. know the gazenda the gazada. I know the gazendas and gazadas. <laughs> That's my whole world. Is is it a gazenda or is it a gazada or is it it goes both ways? Because what's well, the first thing you're going to plan in your electrical system in your circuit? I'll tell you that. Want me to tell you the first thing I'm going to plan? Go ahead. Where I'm going to put the fuse block? Right. That has a waterproof yeah. cover on it. Absolutely. That's say. the first thing. Everything's going to start with that yep. fuses and what's going to be on a, That's your probably spinal at column. least a main fuse yeah. and two or three yeah. ancillary fuses. Yes. And that's where it's all going to start. I like to buy there's a, going to be a fuse block. for the fuse block. There's going to be a, a main fuse, there's going to be a fuse for the ignition, mm-hmm. a fuse for the lights, yep. and then maybe a third fuse for whatever else we want to work the out. The correct Horn number of fuses starter and shit like for that. any motorcycle build. Is three more than you think you need? Yeah. I was gonna say it's just like when you put a right. breaker panel breaker in your house. You know, just go more circuits than you think you're ever gonna. But need. if you're going marine, you can use breakers. Of course you can. So there's no problem using right. breakers for right. a, a motorcycle. I agree. As long as that looks cool on my CB750 chopper. <laughs> well, I mean, well marine marine breakers are you, you can use them for 12 yes, volts. So, absolutely. I mean, why not use a DC system from a marine? Right. Uh, application yeah. for a motorcycle. It's it's basically hardened. My test, for, like in my toolbox right now, is a five amp, a fifteen amp, and a thirty amp breaker, an actual breaker, a DC breaker. Because when I'm trying to troubleshoot something, I take the fuse out because I I know the fuse is popped once. It's popped. It's burned out. I can see it's yeah. burned out. Whether it's a glass fuse or a plastic fuse, a bus fuse, I know that fucker's burned out because it's burned out. So am I going to put another 8-amp fuse in there just so I can burn it? I only have 20 or 30 of those in my box in the wall. So why don't I just skip that, put a 15-amp breaker in there with two wires on it, plug those into where the fuse goes, and then start hooking things up. And when the breaker pops, guess what I found? The short. You can take a, uh, just a light bulb yep. with two spades and put it in there. So the light bulb is now the fuse. The but it's light bulb the fuse. But it's actually a, a current limiter. Yes, so it is. It'll go out if you ground out the system. Yeah. The light bulb goes out, it but goes it doesn't out. pop anything you're doing because you just grounded it out. That's it a can, great idea. It, it can't, no. it can't move enough current to actually burn anything up. A light bulb is an excellent diagnostic tool. That's fantastic. It's really good. See? I say also overwrite. Tech o- tip o- of the day. Overwrite. Dilly dilly. Well, well stated. If, you're, if you look at a wiring harness, like my my big problem with the early like the. Pre Piaggio, like Moto Guzzi's and mm-hmm. Aprilia's, is that they used very, very tiny wire. Oh, they used unnecessarily because small wire. Because it was wire. a cost savings right. thing. It wasn't yeah. because yeah. it was the best thing to do. It was no. because a lot of these bikes, in certain periods of time, used yeah. cheaper or thinner gauge wire to it save the war effort. You know, they were saving. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a whole problem in the 90s um, with Moto Guzzi's in particular that we call Stardust Interruptus. And Stardust Interruptus is simply because the relay wire that was running from the starter was too thin. The gauge was just too thin. And the solution is, guess what? Install a thicker wire. Because a thicker wire can not only conduct more electricity and more amperage, but it's also less prone to shorting out your system. Plus it doesn't act as a resistor and you actually exactly you're getting you, you might get a few extra watts out of your electrical system by yeah. putting a bigger gauge oh wire. i think you're right and i never heard the term overwriting your wire but you're exactly right if you 
if your system right now is, if you think life is good and everything's happening on 22 gauge wire, if you're going to build your own wiring harness, let's use 18 or 16 gauge wire. Because it's one, it's very readily available. You can buy it from your local electric supply house, support your local business, or you can buy it from Amazon, and you can find Japanese color-coded wire that follows either the Japanese industry standard uh, sheets of wiring code, or you can do your own, as long as you're consistent. And that's true. We've all seen the Honda connectors that it comes in as a blue wire, but leaves as two white and green wires as it goes into a Y terminal. Well, what it is is that they know that a blue wire happens to be an AC supply that is, you know, an AC positive right or yellow, right? And then it goes into a connector that branches off to two turn signals or to your speedometer or something, and that would be a blue and a white or what have you. So, you know, when it gets a problem for me is when it's like a brown with a white stripe is totally different than a white with a brown stripe. You know, or a purple with a white stripe. You really take that the time. Sounds like an incontinence problem. It does. <laughs> yeah. Check your underwear. I'm thinking of an underwear joke there. Yeah. Check your underwear. But that's when it does pay to have a headlight, or maybe your reading glasses or something, so that you can look at the color and make sure the colors are accurate. Plus they fade. They get dirty. They fade. They get it's dirty. Like, oh my god. Um, it's like, where do you want your fuse block? Well, I always I like to keep my fuse block somewhere that I can get to it easily. I don't want to have to lift the gas tank off to get to it. Mm-hmm. And I, I would like it, if possible, to just lift the seat or remove the seat. I like it under a side cover or something. Side cover is even better. Because yeah. I don't even want to take the seat off. For yeah, me. I was thinking the last Cafe Racer built I built didn't have side covers. Oh. The whole middle was hollow. I want it as close to the battery as possible. Right. I only want as a shortest high Less tension than lead. six inches of unprotected wire from the right. battery to the fuse. Right. Yeah. You know, right. like now, if you look at a lot of or these things, they use a hard yeah. uh, uh, a bus. A bus. And the bus goes directly Dude. into yeah. the fuse box. That's and right. to me, that's the best way the to do it. The fuse box is mounted bus, to the battery via a bus bar. Mm-hmm. And that way there's no no. Down because right. you're getting power to the fuses are protecting the wiring, and yeah. the longer if you put a fuse right on your headlight, yep, you have this much wire that's unprotected. That's unprotected. No, absolutely. Just like you were talking about overriding your wiring, though. Yeah, he, yeah, steeper. It doesn't really matter where the fuse box is versus the battery. Right. Put like an automotive style cable, to, like mm. a, a jumper over there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's going to be unprotected for that length, but yeah. I mean, just overbuild it. Yeah, overbuild it. You know, uh, Vespa made a mistake where they allowed there to be too much flexibility in how many different batteries you could use in the Vespa GTS 250. So the bike specked out with a very weird battery. That was that was it was a weird battery. It was a hard to get battery, lead acid battery. That ironically, other batteries fit in the same size carrier and were much red, more readily available. The problem is when you put one of these other batteries in the hole that was easier to get and wasn't a lead-acid battery, was an absorbed glass mat battery, a better performing battery, a better amp-hour battery that cost less. So when people did that, the problem was the high-tension lead, the red terminal, positive terminal, was abrading against the chassis of the bike. And what was happening is it was cutting through the insulation and dead short grounding Right, and there's no fusible link. That's there, right. So. There's no fusible link. So it was dead short grounding your positive terminal to the chassis. Everything that that cable goes into will catch on fire. Ask us how we know. 
because we have had not How one. Do you know? How do you know, Uncle Phil? Not one, <laughs> not two, but three customers burn their fucking bikes down because they installed a non-standard battery, which any of us would do, because we would look at it and go, it's the right size, it's the right shape, the terminal's on the right side, let's put this fucking battery in here. So Except it's a different height, and it rubbed. And that's the other thing with those, too. Yeah. That battery lays, you're talking about the one that goes in the hump on the floorboard? It goes right there on the floorboard. And has yeah. the little Between cover over it that has screws that go through you it. You got it. And it runs right over here. And yep. if you push it over too far, you can run a screw right into it. Right into it. Rail. Absolutely. <laughs> that was always. Make sure, because here's what people don't get, is even though that battery, even though that motorcycle, that scooter, has a really nice fuse block in it, and it really does, it's got a fuse block in it that does really, really well. Everything between the battery and that fuse block, the longer the distance between your battery and your fuse block, the more opportunities for shortages between the two. And because there's no protection there, there's no fuse between that fuse block and the battery itself, all of that can be a, a flame hazard, a burn hazard. So your, your most dangerous wire is going to be the wire that goes right from your, cell, well, from your battery to your solenoid. Right. And from your solenoid right to your starter. That's, That's exactly a big, fat, right. yep. heavy-duty battery that cannot have any kind of fuse on it because it would blow. And you can buy these little Honda solenoids that they use for everything now. So it's a solenoid, but it has the 30-amp fuse side-saddled right into it. Yep. And those things are genius, and they're cheap, and you can use them on everything. Yeah, and 15 it's the, bucks. Yes, and it's the highest capacity load that you'll ever have anywhere in your motorcycle because it is literally the load of when you press the start button to your starter from the battery. And those things 100 at, cranking amps. 100 cranking amps. <laughs> and those more. things at 15 bucks a pop. Buy as many of them as you need for all of your builds. If you're going to build a bike and it has a solenoid currently on it, this is what you replace it with. Yeah, get rid of the original solenoid. I guarantee the original solenoid is not as efficient but if or well-engineered as this one. If you're building a custom CB750, right. you're going to man-start it, aren't you? Only if you're Dustin. What was the term Dustin said? He said it's a man-starter. Yeah, man and he got to use that man-starter a whole lot. I don't need that electric VGR. start. I use the man-starter. Give me an electric start. I don't um, It's eight pounds total for an electric starter that when I'm having a technical problem with the bike... I don't have to kickstart it on the lift. Fuck you. Anybody that brings a cafe racer into my shop that wanted to save eight whole pounds is going to pay an extra two hours of labor because I have to sit there and fuck with that thing. I've put starters. I'm, I'm going to delete a starter yeah. and spend 50 bucks right. for a, a, plug. A, a starter delete plug right. for my race bike when right. I could just fucking leave the starter just on. Just leave it. the fucking starter on. Actually, I saw a story on like a motocross series last year, and they talked about even motocross bikes now, which right. shave every possible Take every ounce. ounce they can. They put electric starters on those now. Right. Hell, wouldn't you they, want that when you stall out or you get I, knocked I wreck, over? I could jump back up, bump the buster, exactly. and get going. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I don't have to put it in neutral. I don't have to do I just hit the button and go. For eight? I could stall out in the middle of a hill climb and just... Well, that, I can yeah, put a 12-cell exactly. lithium battery on something, and, and the battery itself is only 2 or 3 pounds. It's the hell then rolling down backwards. Yes, it yeah. does. <laughs> I think that, I've done yeah. many times. So, yeah, if I'm building anything, if it has an electric starter, I'm going to keep the electric starter. I mean, yeah. as far as I'm personally concerned, you would have to be such a high level of competition that 8 pounds was the difference between winning and losing. Drag bike. Money. 
In which case, right. Which the roller starter. You're, drag, you're not drag racing. Yeah. <clears throat> right. And eight pounds is probably on the high side, too. I mean, exactly. It's really, realistically, side. it's yeah. maybe a couple pounds. It may be a couple pounds. But I'm saying even eight pounds. If you give eight pounds, that's like three solid shits or whatever. Or, you know, one week and of aerobics. If you're, and if you're drag racing, you're going to lose to the zero anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Another, another yeah. thing about wiring, too. Yeah. Is I know you can buy different stranded wiring. Yeah. Makes it so much easier. Yes, it does. I mean, and, and it holds solder. I mean, not that you're going to buy multi-stranded wire. You solid core on a motorcycle. Right. No, yeah. but I'm just saying that if you if you have wire and solid core, don't use it on a motorcycle. Solid core. Don't use solid core in a high vibration. Please don't use it because yeah. you run the risk of it breaking yeah. more easily. It's wrong for and, a high vibration environment. And what I do is I buy. I mean, when I use higher gauge wire, mm -hmm. I buy welding cable. Sure. Because welding cable has really fine wiring in it. Lots of really fine wiring. But it's so flexible yeah. and so nice to work with yeah. when you're pulling wire through yeah. conduit or whatever. I mean, the more that's conductors, on motorcycles, but the more conductors any wire has, and that's just science. The more flexible. The more flexible it is. It is. The so more you, flexible, but the more surface. The reason why you right. have stranded wire is because yeah. of surface, surface area. Right. Yeah. Uh, a solid core only has so much surface area. Right. Electrons actually run. They run on the, the outside. Surface. Yeah. They don't go through the core of the wire. Right. So when right. you have stranded, right. there's so much more surface area in it. It's all surface. That's that's how electricity gets from point A to point B. Is the more surface area you have, the more electricity is going to go through it. When we're talking about building your own thing, uh, build yourself. Buy a fuse block. There's so many of them out there, and they're so cheap. Use the modern plastic style uh, fuses that are easy to tell when they're blown. It has to have a cover, a waterproof it cover. It has to have a waterproof cover, absolutely. Um, At work we have... Standard. They put these fuse blocks yeah. right underneath the cup holder. Oh, my God. And it doesn't have a cover on it. Oh, my God. And I'm like... It's just covered in Dr. Pepper and coffee. And it's uh, always a problem. They're always got to be because just the guys, terrible. The cup holders are not oh, big enough orange. for the guy's big yeah, cup. So what the guys do is they pop the they pop the plastic cups out of the cup holder so they get so a they bigger hole. So they can fit the big gulp in there? So they can sit their big gulp right on top of the fuses. Oh, get the fuck out of here. And it's like, mm. what the bro. fuck world are we living and what we're, in? And for the hey, podcast bro. listeners, for the podcast <laughs> listeners, I'm going to qualify this by saying, John installs communications and alert systems in police cars and ambulances. All vehicles. City, right. All the city vehicles. So John knows a thing or two about hooking up wires. Yeah. Because right. he's so doing it. room for them to, like, spread out when they're, you know, doing their things? No, the layout of the cop car, and I'm sure Phil knows, is just awful. There's no room. I feel bad for the big, fat cops. You know, I was, <laughs> I'm a big, fat guy, and I get in these cars. <laughs> and the thing that sucks is you got the wall behind you. Right. So you could be in a crowd, Victoria. But the seat doesn't go back. You're still sitting there like this. No, the cage keeps your, you up. Your cage keeps you up. You're all thing. There's all kinds of crap. There's and they all got know, the mobile data terminals. Yes, they do. You got an MDT. You got a big yeah. block right in here. You got the mobile solitary terminal. They're <laughs> 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 solitary terminal. MDTs are great. I mean, you have Internet Explorer. You got everything on there. Yeah. Right. Except for the fact that I see the cops going down the freeway at 82 miles an hour trying to play fucking playing with their laptop. Oh, yeah. And then they're going to write somebody else a ticket for looking at their cell phone for a mm -hmm. second or looking at their Google Maps or Waze. Meanwhile, the cop has got a 14-inch display 12 inches from their face, and it's turned up to 9,000 fucking lux. So they can't see out the windshield because, you know. Yeah. My, my dad works. Nephew took pictures of these cops. Like, yeah. Doing that. Yeah. And... The police department. He put it on his Facebook page. He's like, "Why should I get a ticket right. if, and if so the cops?" Right. They called him of and told him to take did. his pictures off the freaking Facebook. I saw a cop going on the road just on this trip. I mean, I just did a trip to New York, where I did from 
Cleveland to Pittsburgh to New York to New Rochelle, or to, New Rochelle to Bronx, Bronx to Brooklyn and back 1133 miles. I did it in 21 hours. Yeah, Holy I saw you get on a trailer. I was like, wow, you're up early at 5 o'clock in the morning, yeah. right? Yeah, I left at 4.45. I happened to be up at 5.30, and I saw you posting. I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. And I'm yeah. like, is he going out and back in the same I day delivered right? a POW. I delivered a POW to uh, 45 minutes north of New York City. Shit. Do you and know a Land Cruiser out there? No, that's a Pajero. What is that? It's a Mitsubishi Pajero, or Pajero. Um, in this country, we sold them as the Mitsubishi Montero, but they oh, had four okay. doors. Yeah. That's a two-door, short wheelbase with a fancy select track 4x4 system and a V6, 3-liter V6 in it. So that one I imported uh, for me because the Land Cruiser, the Toyota Land Cruiser, the gas pedal down, you saw the black smoke came out of the back, which I was exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the black smoke coming out of the back was rather exciting. However, the uh, lack of acceleration... Was not so I wish I had bought that. I really wish I could have bought that off you. Well, you may have an opportunity to get something that might be a little more interesting to you because the next thing that's coming in when I get back from uh, my trip to the Pacific Northwest is I'm going to pick up a diesel, turbo diesel, Pajero, 4x4, white, just like that one, but white and turbo diesel. Oh, nice. Yeah. What happened so to the like high that. ace? I thought you were getting a high I ace. I am getting a high ace. Where'd that go? It hasn't arrived yet. Okay. Yeah, it hasn't come in yet. Did the fire truck ever sell? No, it's still up there. We should buy that. I, I'd buy we that. We should buy that. If you, if we should you, just buy we that. We need to talk about that. We should I just want buy to buy that truck. We should just buy that. It's a 4x4. It's a Toyota. It's got 9,000 miles It's a crew cab. It's got no miles. It's in the middle of Fukushima, though. I don't care. I don't care if we. I don't care if you point a goddamn Geiger counter at that thing and it just goes... Who cares? It's cool. It's got no miles and it's super sexy. And it's a but diesel. Too. It's a diesel with a four by four. Speed. Yeah, it's a really cool. Well, the high ace I've got coming in is a Toyota high ace van, but it's a four by four, and it's a diesel, turbo diesel, and it's a five speed. Oh, I might want to buy that from you. You're gonna have to let me play with it first. Okay. Because I have to decide I'm not gonna keep it and then I'll sell it. Okay. But the uh, well, please. There will be more of these. There will be more of these horrible ideas. Well, you can go on B Forward and scout them out. I know yeah. I've been scouting them out. I'd like. Well, to, I want to scout like those. I, there's two or three of them up right now that are in the affordable column. I know. They're just old enough. The problem is they've usually, and I God, this is terrible, but I'm going to say it. They've usually been ricer drifted out. Yeah. So when you see that the back wheels don't match the front wheels, yeah, you should probably stay away from those. Yeah. Uh, but. Next year is the year when we can start getting the 93s, and that's where they changed over to the high-output motor. There's so, that one in Netherlands. Did you see that one in that Netherlands? That one old Nissan van, that blue no, one? No, that, that, uh, it's a BJ60. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Land Cruiser. Yeah. And it's been on there forever. It's been on there forever yeah. because it's shipping out of the Netherlands. It was probably yeah. yellow, like yeah. that Who cares? Yeah. yellow that right. they But they were, yeah. But it's a, it's a diesel. Oh, it's a diesel, all right. Yeah. And it's a five-speed, and it's yeah. right-hand drive. Yeah. No, it's left-hand drive. It's left-hand drive. It's left-hand drive. And that is really interesting to me. <laughs> yeah. I've, there's so many, so many. But, yeah, we can talk about JDM cars. On the Facebook post about don't. our topic tonight. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I somebody had said they were going to be working on their CX-500. Yep. There's going to be a talk of that. Do we so, have any information-specific stuff about the CX-500? I have a little bit. I have a story about my CX-500. About why? And some of the electrical issues that I had with it. Fire away, man. funky yeah. ignition system. The early ones had that funky ignition system. Yes. Yeah, so, and mine failed. You mean the igniters? Yeah. No, the CDI, 
CDI, yeah. yeah. For bad lack of any, I don't know yeah. what they were, I believe it was called a CDI. But they had the two, um, two have, parallel, two parallel circuits right. that ran the ignition. Okay. Yes. And then they went to the GL system right. in the later years, like in 81 or something, they went to the, the GL system, but the earlier ones mm-hmm. were a real scary setup yeah. there. I yeah. mean, they were good until they were bad. Until they didn't work yeah. anymore. The epidemiology of my fuck-up <laughs> was as it relatively new into bikes and stuff, but being relatively just dangerous enough to fuck myself. I was working on my ignition switch was bad, and I had taken it apart, and I was trying to jimmy it. Well, inevitably, I ended up creating a reverse polarity situation. Oh, no. Which subsequently fried my CDI. Yeah, it did. So the, the bike would still run. The CDI was shot. Or the it had, that has a CDI box, yeah. a big metal black box under yeah. the seat, and uh, so I, f- I didn't fry fry it. It would still run, but not run right. It would be like wow. And it wasn't until I. Uh, so you burned up a diode that affected your timing. Something well, and it was just like you could. Somehow I figured out by either just lifting the spark plugs off, or somehow I was able mm-hmm. to watch it. When I was turning it over, I was seeing that it was going like tick 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 with the plugs out. It was just not firing in any kind of right. It was just a random. It was random. Yeah. I'm like, this is fucked up. I fucked something up. So I was. I should have. That should have killed that bike. But then, luckily, some kid ran his car. Pulled into our driveway to talk to the neighbor kid, forgot that he had it in drive, went to back out, went forward, through our door, hit my wife's car, rammed my wife's car into Into my motorcycle, into the back of the garage, not the back of the garage. So you murdered your bike. Not too bad, though. It survived very well. I got... Did you get enough of a check? I got $500 for my bike. Ta-da. Which I trottled over to Schmitty's. Yeah. And bought a $400 at the time. Yes. Fucking CDI unit. Mm Mm-hmm. So... And that's a real thing. And if, for people who are doing this on a vintage motorcycle, I, I don't think care. probably now Rick's Electrics would Thank probably you. help that's you That's what out. we're going to tell you. Whatever part you think you need, before you spend any money, if it costs more than 50 bucks, go to Rick's. Rick's Motorsports. Go to Rick's because Rick has managed to duplicate and improve all of these items. Yeah. Igniters for late 70s and early 80s Hondas. It doesn't matter what they were. So the early 80s Honda. The twin igniters. Is coming soon. Yes. And all these electronic, <laughs> all that, those electronics start going bad. They've already started. Yeah. Every single one that comes into the shop, I can, I can pretend to be Johnny Carson when they come in. I can literally hold the, en- the invoice Karnak. up to my forehead. I can Karnak. <laughs> I can hold the invoice up to my forehead and go, you need two igniters. It's going to be $600. There you go. That's how we can troubleshoot those bikes. Because if it has two small silver boxes in them with Molex connectors on them, that bike, those, those igniters have failed. They were engineered to last 15 years, 30 years ago. How cool is that? Yeah, no, epoxy just dries It just dries up. And they just fail. But Rick's has got them for overheat. under $100 a piece, whereas the Honda pricing on them is over $300 a piece. So check with Rick's first. He can sell you staters. He can sell you a stator cheaper than repairing a stator. And it's right. a better stator. It moves electricity much better than the original article. Well stated. Well statered. And he's the, got uh, 
good voltage regulators. I yes, and that's the other thing. So regulators. if your bike had... I bought a regulator from my XS750. Right. If your bike had a selenium recti regulator rectifier, if it had a, my favorite, you know, the, the rectum fryer, if it's original equipment to the bike, you can replace that. And you should replace that. Because as they get old, their efficiency drops dramatically. We're going to upgrade you know, to a silicone C70 does not have a rectifier. It has a rectifier, but it does not have a voltage regulator. No regulator. No regulator at all. And my right. it has a battery. freaking yeah. favorite bike, my 81 C70, right. is running 21 volts right now. What? That's a healthy dose for your 6-volt battery. Wow. I cannot figure out. I did everything. I took a, a whole wiring and harness apart. Yeah. Cleaned every connection. Yeah. Put another battery. I just ordered another battery. The battery, I mean, I took all the terminals apart. Yeah. I put a new rectifier in right. it. I did everything. When you rev it up, 21, 21 volts. 21 volts. Every light goes, woo! Well, yeah, wow. everything's going to pop. Yeah, yeah, of course. I put 12-volt bulbs in it. Just it doesn't matter. Yeah. It makes no difference, and I don't know why the hell it's doing what but it's doing. But is it just on your accessory side, or is it on your coil side, too? Because, you know, on your... There's three. There's, there's three, three poles. Legs. Yeah. So there's three poles on that. So what we're talking about is we're talking about the actual device that when your crank goes around in a circle, your crank is moving, but the end of the crank, there is a piece of metal that has magnets basically embossed into it. Hondas have a fixed magnet, right. a rotating exactly. magnet. Exactly. Right. So what we do is we have this, we have these metal poles that are there that are wrapped with wire, and as the magnet moves past them, or in the case, right, it creates electricity. Anytime you have wire wrapped into a circle around a conductive rod and you move a magnet past it, electricity and electric field is generated. And that, depending on how the wiring is done, will be either transmitted out in the form of a high voltage or a low voltage. But if you lose a pole, yes. you would think you'd lose voltage. No, not at all. If you lose a pole, it goes up, it in, goes voltage? up in voltage because you're no longer supporting that leg. So, or if you have a... So I have voltage on my headlight. Right. I have voltage on my coil because right. it's running. Well, yep. actually, no, because that's got a magneto. That's a magneto, right. So that is separate from the yes, electric system. Yeah. I have voltage on all my lights. Right. You have so too have, much voltage on your lights. I have too much voltage on right. all my lights. Yeah. So, but I have it on, but the headlight is yeah. on a separate leg. Right. That has voltage. Right. I have voltage coming through the rectifier. Right. Which is another leg, which goes through the rest of the stuff. That your I think that your problem is in the lighting coil, the accessory coil, and that your accessory coil has shorted itself out, so your accessory coil is not putting out the correct amount of voltage anymore. It's putting out far too well, much. I, just well, I was thinking, like, somehow you got things wired in series instead of... Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Because that, well, that six-volt system will go from six to nine volts. Right. But if somehow you doubled that up, now you could get into the you 18, know, 18 to 20 right. volts, maybe. Right. Yeah, well, that's true. Uh, like, you had two, like, uh, somehow two... Two of them are cut together. Wired in series. Well, nothing's right. ever been changed. I was riding home one day, and mm -hmm. thing, I ride it. And everything, all the balls of blue just suddenly. Sudden, I was riding home, and I'm like. I think your lighting coil failed. So because I, if you have one coil putting out nine, and somehow yeah. two of the positives are touching, yeah. now you're getting nine volts and nine volts, you're getting 18. Yep. So for our listeners, every single coil on every motorcycle ever will have in the service manual a test that you can run with an ohmmeter, a standard cheap battery uh, ohmmeter or a multimeter and it will tell you 
where to place the terminals from your multimeter onto the coil and what resistance should be there when the bike is stationary and not running. And it will tell you that you should have 25 ohms of resistance or whatever, or 4 ohms of resistance. And you put those on there, and if your coil is bad, meaning that the insulation inside the coil has broken down and failed, you will no longer have, let's just say, 4 ohms of resistance. You'll now have 75 ohms of resistance, or it'll just be a dead short. It'll be zero resistance. If you don't have the number they're specifying, then that coil is bad, and you can actually remove those coils off of the stator if you're brave, and you can desolder them if you're brave, and you can buy a new one and put it on and solder it back on if you're brave. Or you can just buy an entire new replacement stator, which may be less work than soldering a new coil onto your stator. Some stators have as many as 16 fucking coils on them, which can be a real nightmare if you're trying to repair one of those fucking coils. But you might as well, coils. on that, that's a 6-volt system. Right. So you might as well put a 12-volt uh, stator on it. Sure, so you can and get then, cheap bulbs for the rest of your life. And plus the batteries are a hell of a lot cheaper. Hell yeah. Everything's cheaper. Everything's cheaper. I would convert that bike to 12 volts. I'd buy a 12-volt stator for it right now because you know and the then bike... then put it on a regulator rectifier. Exactly. Right, and that's right. what I'm going to do. So you'll yeah. actually not only rectify, you'll actually have a regulator... You can use a full-wave bridge if you want to. That's an easy way to get yourself into a regulated 12-volt situation. A full-wave bridge is going to cost you four or five bucks... And nothing is going to get through that thing that's above 12 or 14 volts. And it's small, and it's cheap, and it's light, and you can any metal you screw it to becomes the heat sink. We had those little ones for, square the, ones. for the Vespa, those little square ones. Square by those things. It was 12 volt. It had an AC and a DC, so you could regulate your AC, your DC. Yep. It had three prongs three on prongs it. Three prongs on it. Ground, AC, DC. You got it. Yeah, you could use the AC for your lighting coil or your accessory coil, yep. use the DC for your charging system or whatever else you had going on. And then I could put a CDI on there. Exactly. Exactly. Because the 82s went to 12-volt CDI. My Plus all the you, Asian market stuff, all the Chinese stuff. All is, what the fuck have you been waiting for? <laughs> Why is it taking you so long? I 22 other bikes that I don't mm. need to ride that one. Yep. <laughs> ride my ruckus. Well, and that's <laughs> the thing is if you're going to build your own wiring harness from the ground up, think about that. You've got I don't know these about devices. Your starter, though. I the starter hasn't worked. Oh, your man starting it. No, oh, neutral. The neutral. C seven. Every thing starts at one kick every yeah. time. You can let it sit for a year and it can have kerosene in the gas tank and the thing starts. Rather than building <laughs> yourself a a twelve foot long wiring harness, one of the things that I've seen a lot of builders do, and we now do at our shop ourselves, is we'll buy. Some people have different terms for them, but it's a white plastic or white vinyl. Uh, they call it a European junction block or whatever. You can order them. Uh, I found them on Amazon for about 6 bucks a piece. You can order them in 4-terminal, 8-terminal, 16-terminal, 24-terminal. And basically all it is is a series of screws. So you can take the gazindas and the gazindas and put them together and screw the screws down. It holds the wires. Like you said, tin them first. You know, if you're super fancy, you can buy the connectors. You can buy the connectors and solder those to the end of the wire and then screw the connector, the literal tip. You know, just the tip. It's not even a connector. It's basically a it's finisher. A, it's a finisher right? tip. It's, it's a, yeah, it's just yeah. really good electric. People that build motors and do something like, and build electric motors, true electricians, electrical engineers love these things because then you're terminating into it. With, you don't have to worry about a stray. You don't have to worry about a stray or. What you can do yeah. is. Uh, 
if especially if you have like something that's uh, a wire that's the size of like a mm-hmm. uh, you know like a starter wire or like jumper cable like a real heavy gauge Big, wire eight gauge yeah go get another piece of scrap wire strip it off so you have a nice piece of single strand yeah. and just wrap it really tightly mm-hmm. around that and it'll squeeze all it'll that squeeze in squeeze it all yeah. so you can get it into a connector or something right. like that always hold it together. Tighten. well that's the not soldering yeah so you're just putting them in you're going to tin your leads anyway yeah. always tin your leads anyway but when you th- don't lock tight them just yet when, you, when you're screwing down something, it's not a stake-down connector. If it's a screw-down connector, always assume that your solder and the wire itself, copper wire and lead solder, are both compressible. So when you put them in for the first time, remember, a couple of weeks later, go back and tighten them all down again. Because that copper is going to heat and expand, yep. and then it's going to cool off when it... Uh, Absolutely. It's it's gonna be, they're going to be loose. Are you so, ever going to use a scotch lock? You know, uh, so scotch locks... Or posi taps. Or posi taps. Posi taps, okay. Wire taps. Scotch locks, no. You know, no, I don't like a scotch lock. Um, anything that you have to clamp onto a wire that cuts into the uh, insulator to make a connector is probably good if you're going to install ghetto stereos, yeah. but probably not good if that motorcycle's taillight is going to keep you alive. I would rather see you actually... Well, the scotch locks, the ones that clamp over it with the Yeah, yeah. They're it's like a tube thing, and then it's like a guillotine thing that kind of comes down. And the problem with them is, is they have a little slot that's meant to catch the wire. Yes. Mm-hmm. And most cases... It's meant to cut the wire. It cuts the wire. It, it's meant to cut the wire. You'd be better off, you take a pair of wire cutters that has the, the notches for mm-hmm. the different gauges... You crimp a little, you crimp a little, move it to side to side, cut off all the insulation for maybe a quarter of an inch. Sure. Take a razor, push them apart, stick your wire through through the middle, wrap it around once, and twist it like a wire tie, and then tape the shit out. Good to go. That then... That's field grade. That preserves the continuity. I've done that plenty of times. Field grade's fine. That's better than using anything, unless you... Wire taps. A posi tap, I do like those. I mean, I got some from Kevin. That's basically like where you have a... It screws together it screws and has together. a needle that pierces through the wire, yeah. and then on the other end you undo it and you fray your wire out, stick it in. It's almost like a compression fitting for yes. for wiring. For plumbing, yeah. That's true. Those are pretty. Those if they I had get to do a anything, lot of contact. but the problem with them is they're two dollars a piece. Yes, and if you're so if you bought an accessory, and in that accessory kit you got these six or seven blue pieces of plastic that have uh, the L shape on them, and then if you look at them, there's a uh, a piece of metal that has two distinct troughs and you insert one wire into the one stub end, and the other wire goes through, and you clamp this thing on, fold the plastic edge over, and squeeze the fuck out of it with your Gerber tool or your pliers. That's what you're calling a Scotch lock or a PosiTap. It's not, PosiTap is the brand name for the other one. Yeah. I've always just called those ghetto wire taps. See, yeah. I always thought a Scotch lock was a twist lock. Like, I mean, I the the, the residential? Yeah. Plastic caps. Yeah. Those, those are wire nuts. Wire nuts. Yeah, wire nuts. Those, those are wire nuts. Called... A scotch lock is a clamshell yeah. clamp thing. It's like a flying. And it, when tap. you clamp it down, it cuts through the the insulation. Yeah. It has a little prong, uh, yeah, a little wire, a little wire supposed to cut are... through. And you don't strip your wire before you nope. insert them. You leave the wire and stripping there. They don't even make a connection. Well, my real problem is half of the time they do cut the wire you're going into. Let's go back to our Harbor Freight wire. You know where you get to. The, the wire where it has like three human hairs for yeah. like, um, conductors within it's, with, yeah. within some crappy Why would you insulation. Try to break that? Right, yeah. and it uses yeah. like yeah. A intestinal. I thought about something like insulation. my wire tap would be something like a barbed needle, mm-hmm. where you simply like you go and you just pierce the insulation and slide it up yeah. underneath, and then it leaves a little connector that you can connect to. You know yeah. what I mean? Like 
sort of slide a little catheter underneath. I have no problem. I just cut them and splice them. Cut them and splice them. Cut the damn thing. Yeah. Cut the damn thing. Put on a spade terminal on both sides and join the two wires the way God intended with a spade terminal. You don't need to heat up your soldering iron. It works. And it's now a place where you can do further diagnostics in the future. Small wiring is a lot harder, though. Yes, it is. Than big wiring. Yes. I mean, we have stuff at work where well, we I mean, have you can do three terminals. Yeah. That you just cut the wire and you, they they uh, you use uh, like a uh, Allen wrench. Yeah. And it clamps everything down right. in there. And oh, yeah, 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 yeah. In the I mean, bike, we're never going to be like a big, right. a big yeah. lug thing. You're yeah. Talking. yeah. In the bike, we're never going to be smaller than 22 gauge. Right. So Here, like, here's something yeah. I found for very small wiring yeah. is. Telephone connectors, telephone yeah. butt connectors, because yeah. yeah. we talked about the blue, the red, and the yellow yeah. for you know different gauges of yeah. wires, but you can buy telephone wire connectors yeah. at Radio Shack and where? <laughs> yeah, Amazon. <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> yeah. At Amazon Radio Shack. Right. At Amazon Radio Shack. Yeah. At Tandy. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> if you want to go way back. Yeah. Tandy. Last <laughs> man on earth. The trash eighty. Sixty four. Trash eighty. You yeah. also buy a leather working kit there. Comes yes, you can. 16K <laughs> of memory. <laughs> but, yeah. Telephone yeah. connections Telephone are great connection. for small <laughs> wires. Mm-hmm. You have to connect something. And that, there's nothing wrong. And if you're a guy that wants to get down and dirty with something, go to. you can buy trailer plugs. A trailer plug is four wires, flat four. It's gender specific. You can't plug it in the wrong way. And that's a great way to hook up four wires. So if you're building a cafe racer wiring harness... How many times have you replaced your trailer plugs? Exactly. They apparently can survive a nuclear war um, as long as you keep them a little bit loose. Except for the one that's out on the end that's right. the, corroded the very the, tail end. the brine you're spraying on the road. Exactly. It breaks off. But like and if it's you're, made from yeah. grossly inferior metal. Yeah. If you're looking for a down-and-dirty way to make a four-pole connector, one ground and three positives... It's really easy to do with the trailer wire connector. It's it's down, it's dirty, it works. And it just so happens that a turn signal circuit is one ground and three positives. So, you know, you got a power feed and two switched. So a trailer wiring harness, a flat four wiring harness, can be used as a down and dirty way to build a cafe racer turn signal circuit. Yeah. Yeah. And it requires... Or you could use one for running lights, yep. tail light, brake light. Right. Running tail brake is also four connectors. So you could have one trailer flat four going to your brake light system and one trailer flat four going to your turn signal system and then have everything labeled and nice and neat and tidy to be like, this is for my brake light system. All in the same color. All (laughs) in the same color. Red, white, green, and black. colors. Red, white, green, and black. So the trick is if somebody has used, you know, hooked things up and you got like three reds, you just, before you take it apart, you put a, you take a Sharpie and go, Put one notch on one, two notches on the other, and three notches on I the got, other. I got a scary thing for you. Like, I buy I buy wire labels. Well, here's the thing. I used something. to work. <laughs> I used to work on aviation. Guess what color the wires are? Black. White. White. All aviation wiring is white, but they all have identifiers on them. Yeah, like a stripe with numbers or whatever. They like. just have numbers, so they're just all numbered. Everything is white. So if you get into uh, you get into avionics, you get into boats and stuff like that, and some military vehicles, all the wires the same color. It's all white, but it's all identified. 
My my seventy one MG had all red wires with no markings on it. <laughs> That's because that was the because the guy changed all the wires. This guy was a sadist. I was gonna blame it on Lucas. The I, got Vietnamese, I got a Vietnamese. I got a Vietnamese. I got red wire and I got red wire. I have a Vietnamese Vespa over there, and all the wiring in it is white because it's all made out of dollar store extension cords. <laughs> so the whole wiring harness, like twelve wires, and they're all literally. Dollar store extension cords, and this is, came from Vietnam. Coincidentally, the piston rings are also made of the same extension cord. Well, they've, es they've escaped the bike. <laughs> so, yeah, they've, uh, yeah. All the, all the power producing components have escaped in the form of smoke. But, the, uh, but yeah, the, all of, uh, any hope that the bike ever was had. coming out the exhaust pipe, we pulled it straight <laughs> out. Pulling, we pulled out the power band through the tailpipe. <laughs> that, was, that was how we got that one. That was how we figured out that one was done. But yeah, it's very. But so in military or avionics and stuff like that, you'll see these all white. And you're like, oh my god, it's the nightmare of nightmares. All the wires are white. Yeah, but they're all labeled. And the reason they're all white, I know this is going to blow your mind, but the reason all the wires are white. So you can see if they are burned? Exactly. Hmm. So that if there's a flaw or a break or a burn, it's That's fucking obvious. That's a good idea. And when you look into a wiring harness or you look into an access panel and you've got a hot problem, because you want them to work, because you want them to <laughs> the, uh, it's, it's really, it's a big deal. When you look in there and you see a heat problem, that heat problem presents itself instantly. And when you've got a, uh, a short or, or anything else, smoke shows up real good on white wire. So... Uh, a lot of stuff I worked on was just, well, what color, color wire is it? Charming, <laughs> charming was everything. Well, and do you know that a lot of the population is colorblind? Yeah. And so in the military, having all white wire eliminates the problem of differentiating between a brown wire and a purple wire. Are you going to get a pair of those glasses? Have no. you seen like where they have the glasses? Or Are you running colorblind? I have trouble differentiating between like Tans and grays and like uh, olive drab greens, like oh. interesting. Yeah, but you could tell red from blue. Yes. Yeah, which oh. is really, I mean, the primaries is really where it's what important. About teal and green. It's all the same to me. It's all the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's that gray wire you're holding. Give me the gray one, Pete. No, no, the other gray one. Hey, no, the other gray one. Okay, Chris is going to bring a box of 64 crayons next week, and we're going to test. <laughs> and we're going to figure out what his spectrum is. <laughs> yeah. We're going to figure out where on the spectrum Pete is. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, but yeah, so like getting a stake down, and you were mentioning too, when I talked to you about this the other day, you were saying there's a couple of devices that we can buy to help us with power distribution to make doing this job a lot easier. Yeah, if you're looking at wiring a bike from the get-go there's places you can go completely get away from fuse boxes you know no fuses whatsoever electronic resettable fuses there's the the PDM which is a power distribution module or the neutrino black box which you control through your smartphone you can set up the parameters of these things through your smartphone um, you can set up all your circuits they're constantly on or only come on when switched. I mean, there's really some slick. Uh, I've seen that a lot at work, options. where a lot of the cars, especially like the Dodge Chrysler, they have everything works through a module. Yeah. So they don't have relays. They don't have to. They have everything as a module. So when you go, when you hit the horn, it's funny. You hit the horn. There's a split second delay before the horn actually honks because it's got to go through the module and then beep. And we yeah, talked about CAN bus stuff too earlier. Yeah. 
Like all I'll the BMW, all the modern BMWs are on CAN bus yeah. systems, which people motherfuck CAN bus. Excuse the French, but people don't like the CAN bus systems. But it's a beautiful system, really. Everything goes through the same wire, and if you understand it and you work within the parameters of the system that's designed, there's nothing wrong with the CAN bus. It also eliminates. Having 20 wires in a harness Correct. with one bad wire in this harness, can, you have to take the whole Melt thing Melt the apart. whole thing down. Yeah, so right. now you know between everything you have one wire. And if you want to be a Luddite, there's a workaround where you can just take power directly off the battery and set up one of these external either fuse boxes or power distribution modules. And you can have like a parallel system to the system that's running the bike to run all your, your heated gear or your GPS or your cell phone charger or whatever you want to do. And when you build a wiring harness, when you're building your thing out, basically think of your motorcycle as having two different uh, area codes or two different operating systems. You think of your motorcycle as having one side of the motorcycle is all, it basically gets, it gets the bike to the destination. That's your coil. That's everything. That's your, it's your kill switch. It's your ignition. It's, if it's a primitive motorcycle, it's literally just going to be your ignition side of the house. And then the other side, the other wiring harness, if you will, is going to be all of your ancillary items. And that's going to be your headlight, your taillight, your turn signals, everything extra. And if you build your wiring harness out to be that way, it's going to help your troubleshooting in the future. Because you're going to be able to go, okay, the left side of my wiring harness is, happens to be power. It's just getting the power to the coils. Um, getting the ignition circuit to fire, it's just making the bike go and charging the battery. That's everything on the left side of my system. On the right side of my system is everything that is a bulb, everything that might be a heated grip or might be uh, anything that's superfluous to the operation of getting the bike there. So that when I lay this wiring harness out and I'm building a bike from the ground up, that's the way I tend to build it. I use the European power distribution blocks. I run my wires into them so I don't have a 12-foot-long piece of wire. I and those are the things that are going to fuck two. up. So yeah. you, want, you want those yeah. things separate from the, yeah. the heart of the bike, what's going to make the bike run. Hell yeah. Because so, yeah, you can get home without a lot. Exactly. You can't get home without a And I don't want it. When I'm looking down and I build them, when I build it out, I tend to, like, I'll use the bottom of the seat or I'll use the bottom of a battery box or I'll use a plate that I'll weld in across the frame rails and I'll put that in, I'll put my little power distribution block in there, and I will keep everything that is get me home on the left side, and I'll put everything that's bonus, extra cool shit, on the right side. And by doing it that way, it just helps me keep things organized. And maybe then when I sell the bike to somebody else, and they're trying to do some troubleshooting, and I label the crap out of everything. Or they want to accessorize. They want to accessorize. Yeah. I always leave a couple of open, spot, open spots. If I think I need six fuses in the setup, I will put in eight or ten because this gives that bike the ability to have things that I might not be aware that exist yet you know, on the bike. You know what's better than building one wiring harness? Mm. Building two or three. Building two or three sub-harnesses. So you could take a yes. sheet of plywood yep. and you use a thing called a tape measure. You got it. And you measure out everything. You drew <laughs> yeah. your own little drawing, yeah. your diagram. You yeah. take all your your connectors yeah. and put them where they need to go and you, you lay it all out, put some nails in wrap, yep. so you can wrap the wire around. Yep. Then you tape it all up, get it all ready on there. Then do it again and again and again. Yep. And you can build CB, custom CB750 harnesses all day long for you and all your buddies and all your on buddies. eBay. And that's where the Amphenol 
Electrics come in handy, too. That's exactly right. And when you do lay everything out, just lay all the wires out six inches longer than they need to be. Because when you put them on the bike, they're all, you, you can shorten a wire as many times as you want, but you can't stretch it. And so it's... Yeah, and it was too short. I cut it again. I cut it again. It was still too short. Twice. That was it. And <laughs> so when you are putting your wiring harness in, that's another thing. Like just being aware of that. A good wiring harness, a good build out. And I have had wiring harness that started out as eight wires, but then by the time I sold the bike, it was fourteen or sixteen wires. And I go the other way. Yeah, you're deleting. <laughs> yeah. I started out with 14 and down to one. <laughs> There's nothing that says you couldn't run a bike on, like, basically one wire that ran from the fucking ass of the bike, you know? <laughs> uh, you'd have to have one AC side and one DC side. Yeah. That's really what it would come down to. And why that exists for the people who are listening to this. So you're you... saying a Honda would have to have an AC side? Well, sure. Well, their alternators are all AC. Their alternators all run well, AC. Well, I mean, okay. Yeah. Once from the alternator to the battery. battery. But yes. I, I'm just saying one wire from the battery that goes to air. Yeah, and, and that's been a thing for, we used to do race bikes, and we would do race bikes all the time as essentially a one or two or wire. you do yeah. a constant loss where you right. just have a battery, you don't even have an alternator. Okay. <laughs> We're gonna do we a, don't a, start out with constant stuff, losses. Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> accidentally end up at constant losses. Yeah. So a constant loss system is, or a constant loss system can also be where you don't have a battery and you just have enough load on your wiring harness through the use of different bulbs so that the bulbs are regulating. Well, like his C70 is unregulated. It's un, well, he's got a rectifier. That's yeah. it. And it's literally the bulb load is what's keeping the bike in check. If you're working on an old motorcycle with a six volt system, and you keep popping bulbs, here's a tip from here's your tip from your uncle Phil. If you're working on a six volt motorcycle that you just keep popping bulbs on, look in the fucking headlight to see if there's a headlight bulb in there, a bulb for the actual uh, speedometer, or a parking light, because if there is a bulb that is burned out and missing or not there then all the other bulbs get too much power and yeah, it's i progressive. have exactly and i have seen more bikes come in where as soon as the guy takes his foot off the brake it pops more bulbs and they're going to pop from smallest to biggest but if you don't have enough load and we've discovered that bikes that because the mechanic well, i'm sorry mechanic the previous owner took the old headlight out couldn't get the old headlight anymore so put a, a new headlight that fit in the bike, but the new headlight didn't have a 10-watt parking lamp in it. So he just left that wire dangle, he just, or he taped it off. Well, now he's got an extra 10 watts going into every other bulb, which could be blowing out his 5-watt taillight bulb. Everything else, hey, hey, everything else got is. brighter right. when I took that bulb exactly. out. Exactly. And when I revved my motorcycle up, I revved my bike up, my, headlight, like an arc light. my headlight got brighter and brighter and brighter, <laughs> and, brighter and brighter and brighter until it popped. Well, yeah, it's a wonder that your frickin' taillights didn't pop, too. Because your Speedo bulb, the little bulb inside the Speedo, that burned out 20 years You want to know if a bike had a regulator issue yeah. in its life? Yeah. Turn the key on, see, <laughs> look at the, get, the, look at the, the gauge lights. Yeah. If they're gone, if they're it gone, probably had a regulator issue. You know it had a regulator issue. Or maybe it didn't have a regulator, or the regulator's toast. But those things, like on old bike troubleshooting, the one of the best things I can tell anybody is make sure every bulb is present in that bike before you spend too much time troubleshooting it. If you have an old bike in particular, and the bike doesn't own a battery, if you're like, there's just no battery in this fucking bike, 
because it's one of a hundred bikes I can think of that didn't come with a battery. Before you do shit with it, make sure there are every single six volt bulb that's supposed to be in that thing is in that thing. Are there special motorcycle bulbs? Yeah. <laughs> no. At However, one point in my career, I yeah. thought that there were motorcycle bulbs. Right. But a lot of people like, advertised bulbs in the 60s for motorcycle like, use because they had heavier filaments. Okay. Right. Exactly. So yeah, trouble light bulbs. Trouble light bulbs. It's, it's another 11 one. Yeah. It's 1157, right? right. Action yeah. industry yeah. is. You can have, there's no, there's no difference. You can't make there's a no motorcycle 1157 or right. 1156. Or Wagner sold a bunch of bulbs in the 70s, headlight bulbs, that were specifically on the back of the bulb, they were staked differently. They had these ridges on the back of the bulb that were different, that were specifically for the motorcycles of the era. There were 12-volt bulbs because the cheap thing to do was just to get the high-beam bulb, or the, I'm sorry, the low-beam bulb. Usually the bayonet, the 12-volt, out of is, a four-headlight system. is usually messed up. Yeah. And on a 6-volt, they're side-by-side. Side. Exactly. So yeah. you usually can't put a 12-volt in a 6-volt. Usually volt. not. Right. For a yeah. two-filament, you can. Right. With a two-filament, you're allowed to. Okie dokie. Right. Yeah, because so I've been putting 1157s in my C7 exactly. because the, the, the other ones will burn out in two seconds. They will burn out in no time flat. And that's a trick for people that are used to running 6-volt systems and want to build a voltage regulator into it. All you have to do is take your uh, speedo bulb, your speedo light bulb, put a 12-volt bulb in there, and that will literally harvest any extra uh, amperage that's coming out into something benign like your headlight or your speedo bulb. But you mentioned and, the whole vibration and the filaments yeah. and everything. There's yeah. a reason why your tail light has the rubber grommets and everything. Yeah. And why your turn signals are wiggly. Yeah. Because when you're running at 10,000 RPM, <laughs> your light bulbs will fucking blow out. And if you take all that rubber shit off yeah, and, and, hard you, and you hard, hard mount it, your turn signals and you wonder hard. why you've gone through 9, 1157 tail light bulbs? Yeah. Because there's nothing that vibrates more than the furthest back point of your motorcycle from where the vibration is conducted. And that son of a bitch is shaking like hell, and that little 1157 bulb, it's a great application for an LED. Yeah, because, it's designed yeah. to have your license plate rotated 90 degrees. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, headlight, uh, taillight bulbs only work in correct orientation. <laughs> if you rotate them, all the electrons drain out the bottom. So you can't... You've got to put a weep hole, too. You've got to put a weep hole in it, right. For the right. extra all weather so, application. For the extra electrons to go out the bottom of the weep hole. Yeah, that's about it. Uh, yeah, if you guys, like, if you thought that there's something, you get a pro tip that we didn't cover, something that we didn't come up with. Should uh, we talk about uh, relays and flashers or anything like that? Let's or? see what time we have. Let's see how much time we have and if we can, if we can run that long, because, hey, why not? I mean, the podcast don't, listeners don't know, but it's only 10 p.m. Okay, we're one hour, 45 minutes, so you have oh, 10 Dustin minutes. Would be you have 10 minutes. Oh, Dustin would have been crying 20 minutes ago. I think we're only scratching the surface here. There's like a oh, lot. Oh, no, there's a whole mountain. A lot more Why do you use here? a relay? What am I going to use a relay for? What anytime, do we use a so relay? what you have is anytime you're turning something on or off, you're using a mechanical connection between two sources of power. So you have something that doesn't have power flowing through it and something that does have power flowing through it, and you are now going to connect those two and say, Transmit power through them. Here's a good example. Yeah. Um, a starter circuit. Circuit. Yep. Sometimes it goes through the switch, mm -hmm. or the, say the key switch. Yep. There's no reason to take that amperage from the battery to the starter through the key switch. Right. It needs to go through a re relay. The relay is just a small switch that opens the bridge between the starter and the battery. 
Right. And so the two two operative words that you used there were switch and amperage, yep. and that's what it's all about. So a relay yep. is when you have something that's high amperage, mm -hmm. you do not want to run it through your switches up on your handlebars, Correct. because they can't handle that kind of amperage. And so when no you have something like a horn, or in the case of a starter, you're using a solenoid, which is basically a glorified relay. It's a big relay. Anyway. It's just a big relay. Yeah. You're going to run it through here, so it's basically when you hit your starter mm -hmm. button or, or your horn button, right. it's an electronic switch, which is a magnet that closes right. a, a contact that makes contact between the higher amperage circuit right. and then blows your horn. Rather than hooking two very high draw if you wanted to things. just have a big blade switch, through or <laughs> oh yeah, and they, you wouldn't need real. I've seen some cool custom bikes where the guy must have been a farmer or something. He had access to a lot of really old timey Frankenstein blade switches, yeah. and he had all kinds of shit on his bike just done through big old Arky Sparky blade switches, mm. which yeah. I'm sure would have been great turning that shit on at night, just being like, all right, I'm gonna turn on my headlight. <laughs> right right like top, top, like that Jacob Ladder over there. Gas tank. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> An extra source of ignition. But yeah, if you're trying to achieve starting a, a motor through a small button, a button that's small enough that you can hide it. With two normal gauge wires. With two normal gauge wires where your thumb would press it. You don't want to have a switch on your handlebars that's literally big enough to house two 8-gauge wires. Well, here, here's, a, here's a simplification yeah. of it. So put the 8-gauge wires somewhere else. The remotely relay operate. is that blade switch yeah. that is signaled through the handlebar switch. Right. Right. And what it is, is it turns the button into a remote operating. Yep. So it says that a big heavy contact is going to happen somewhere else, but I'm going to tell that to happen. So I'm going to fire an electromechanical circuit, if you're into pinball. I'm going to fire an electromechanical surface, circuit from a far distance away using a, a basically a low amperage wire. So I'm which taking is your handlebar switch. Which is your handlebar switch. It's just another switch. It's, it's another like switch. Another switch and right. with a mag, but it's magnetically operated. You so should you have, have coil, the mag, yeah. when you hit the button, the yeah. magnetic switch closes. It's yeah. and there's a little yeah. set of points in there. Yep. There's, exactly. yeah, there's contacts, and those contacts are rated for a higher amperage. And you so can clean them. The switch might be a half of. You can fix them. When they go bad. Or it's a $4 Bosch relay. Exactly. You, know? when you, you can buy them the by the bag. Oh, when you look at the bottom of the relay, there's yeah. numbers. What the heck are those, with those numbers? Yeah. Yeah. And there's letters, too. And there's letters and yeah. stuff like that. And uh, you can <laughs> Basically, the way to tell a relay is yep. you hold a relay, and there's the mounting tab that has the hole in it. If you yep. lay that flat down on a thing, like if you were going to screw it to the stable, yep. and you're looking at it facing the, mm -hmm. the, the, the pins, the, the blades coming out. Yep. The one on the left, that's where your positive goes in. Positive goes in. That's your trigger wire. That's exactly. your positive trigger. The one on the opposite side, directly to the left of it, is it, your output. Is your that should go to ground. Yes. Yes. So that's Correct. you have positive that goes to ground. That'll yep. trigger the relay. Exactly. Then the two that are straight up and down, mm -hmm. vertical. Yep. Those are that's the actual switched load. That's the load. So that's yep. how every relay is. They all work the same way. So if you're going to yep. set it up you, yep. to, for a horn, you have the button, the power coming from the horn button goes onto the left leg, goes through, goes to ground. Then the actual horn, you have power from the battery, which should be fused. If you're not sure whether or not you should be using a relay, use a relay. Use a relay. Yeah. They're cheap. It doesn't take much to Yeah, use. they're cheap, and they do save your connectors. And anybody who's ever worked on that old Honda or that old Yamaha knows that those button switches, those ignition switches, uh, don't work very good anymore. And they don't chooch the way they used to. They don't, they don't. You can use that button switch to yeah. connect the power directly from the battery to your high amperage horn yes. or your yeah. high amperage 
driving lights and or whatever it might not whatever, necessarily might be. be a momentary switch. Right. You know, you have a momentary switch, but if you had, like, a heating heating elements on your bike, yeah. you might want to run those through a relay so you can flip a switch that connects the relay and, and helps separate some of that amperage from... And guess what switch. you've done? You've installed a point in the system that is cheap as shit, easy to replace. You can keep two or three of them in your saddlebags, standing by in case of emergencies, and you can literally replace them on the side of the road like you would a fuse. Mm -hmm. And a lot of modern cars today, when you open the fuse block, you open a fuse box cover in your modern car, go out and do it. You own a car. There's a block somewhere under your dashboard or under the hood that has fuses in it. Well, take that lid off. Get your owner's manual. Open it up. Look in there. You're not going to see 26 fuses anymore. You're going to see 12 fuses and 8 relays. Because relays now are really small and really tiny. And a lot of cars use relays where they used to use fuses. And if you have the chance or the yeah. choice, yeah. buy one with a pilot light. Because it makes because diagnosis it a lot easier. Oh, my God. Um, mm -hmm. I, bought a, I bought a stack of the fuses that have the the blade fuses that have the light in them they're cheap it actually turns out to be like a buck and a quarter a piece when you buy them on somebody like amazon so the other thing about fuses yeah. is just something about yeah. the, the stupid dummy check light that you buy yeah. from harbor freight this yep. is the light that has a clamp clamp you clamp the ground and it's basically a screwdriver that goes to a point that has a light in the handle yep. And you can touch it on something and it will work. Yep. You gotta be careful with those things, especially if you're dealing with modules, because you can fuck up a module with yes, one of you those. Yes, you can. Haven't done that yet, but I know that <laughs> I can. But using one of those, if you look at any fuse that's in a fuse block, yeah. there's always two points. There's two little tiny in holes the top. in the top of it, and you can right. touch them. So you look one down side's always fuse. gonna be hot, right. but if you touch it to the other side and it's not, that fuse is blown. Exactly. So you can quickly mm -hmm. go through. Yeah. I don't care if it's a car or whatever it, it is. You can have 20 fuses. You can You're looking down. down at a plastic fuse. You see the number 15 in the middle. To the left of it and the right of it, there's a little opening, and it's designed for a pin tester to go into yeah. so that you can quickly test that fuse without removing it. And you can try it. to look at them and, and everything like that. No, sometimes you look at it, and you, you can't see a fault there, but there, there, it, there's a broken, you know. Yeah. There's not continuity between it. It's bad. It's gone. It's and done. the ceramic fuses suck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm hmm Because they all corrode. Yep. If your bike or it's your vehicle... It's very rare, but I've had fuses that were uh, not quite blown. Almost blown. Sort of blown. Like blown. Sort of blown. Mm hmm But like that light bulb where you can shake it and sometimes it'll work. And yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're supposed to blow all at once. It's supposed to be... And they make slow-blow slow fuses. You don't want any part of that. Um, if you, if your motorcycle has cylinder shape, cylinder shaped fuses, glass fuses, bus fuses. Oh God. Right. Uh, I mean, that, well, that yeah, exists. You're right. The German bikes still have the torpedo fuses, the Volkswagen fuses. Yeah, those are horrible. Right? Yeah. All of those things have one thing in common and that you is You got to take those ones and wrap them in foil. That's what the only way Cigarette paper. Work. Yeah. <laughs> cigarette paper is eight amps, in case you're wondering. Uh, but the... All of those fuses rely on a bent piece of metal that has tension that bends every time you install and deinstall the fuse. And they only have a certain number of life cycles before they crack and fail. They also, over time, build up corrosion hugely over there where the point of the, the fuse meets. If your motorcycle has that style of fuse in it, or old Hondas that have the metal strip fuses in them, get rid of all that shit. Just get rid of it and put in a cheap and cheerful Plastic modern fuse oh, block. The fusible link. Yeah. Which is easily replaceable. Any one of those fusible links has two little screws. Yes. 
Take the screws out, get two of the smallest little ring connectors you yeah. can, yeah. put those on it, and put an inline fuse and get rid of those fuses. Get lines. rid of them entirely. Because now you at least have something you can go to any auto parts store and, and replace, replace the fuse. Right. Those fusible links only come from Honda. Useless. Or wherever. Getting everything to being the modern standard, just because on some day on the side of the road, you, you're going to have a failure, and you need to be able to buy a fuse that goes in there. Look, if you can't fit a penny between the goddamn terminals, you're going to need a fuse. Is there anything acceptable to put between the terminals besides a fuse? I mean, cigarette paper, eight, eight amp fuse. We we tested it. We okay. took we took a camel wrapper. We took the camel paper. Nobody smokes anymore, but I did it on my bike, and I had an eight amp fuse that blew. I wrapped it one full wrap with cigarette paper on the, the glass fuse. I put the glass fuse back in, and the bike ran beautifully. So we said, well, we got back to the shop. We said, you know what? It ran so well, and it didn't pop, and it didn't break again. Now, we knew we had an electrical problem that caused the 8-amp fuse to be pop in the first place, but it didn't pop again. So maybe it's just an old fuse, and it's time it come, because an old fuse, glass fuse, is just it's a, a piece of wire. very much like a light a bulb. It's all it is. Yeah. It's, a, it's a, a filament that generates no light or heat. So there might just been a defective one. So we decided to science the shit out of it, and let's actually hook a meter to it and throw through a power supply. Let's throw until the cigarette paper burns. It would eventually, right? Ten amps. Ten amps. So at ten amps, one the little cigarette strand of pepper, cigarette paper. One one journal, one one course of cigarette paper. Wow. And it, so it took ten amps, and that's foil. That's foilized paper. And by doing one turn of it around the whole substance, so the entire thing was covered in cigarette paper. This should work with any juicy fruit. Spearmint. Don't know. Or mm -hmm. Didn't chew gum at the we time. We don't know what the amp rating on Smoke cigarettes. Is. That's a disclaimer. But we yeah. turned it up to 10 amps. We got it up to 10 amps and it smoked. Yeah. And it failed. And, the, and, it, <clears throat> and it acted, so it as, acted a like a fuse. It acted as a fuse. Wow, that's perfect. Right. Whereas a penny or something else, or there's a story about a guy that put a 22 caliber bullet in one of those. <laughs> and that it went off. <laughs> and, and blew a hole in his leg or some shit. That's um, awesome. Well, Mythbusters, look it up on YouTube. It's a Mythbusters thing, and they take that one apart. And they, they actually do put a twenty two caliber rimfire bullet in where a, a, a glass fuse used to be, and they run it up and see if they can pop it. I'll let you guys watch the YouTube. I'm not going to spoil kill a spoiler. Don't spoil it for me. Yeah, I'm going to spoil it. I'm going to speculate here and say the rimfire needs a... Straight. Well, it is a percussive. Exactly. Right. It is right. a percussive. Yeah, so just yeah. the resistance not going to... I was recently... Cook, you're not going to cook it off. You're going to... You have to... Percussive. No, you can cook them off. Yeah. <laughs> the trick is, we know that you can cook off rim fires because I'm pretty sure I, I take a handful of 22s and throw, throw them in the fire. fire. Well. But the problem is, will a 10 amp or 12 amp load going through no, it? Because I, I, that, that's where I because right it here. doesn't generate enough heat because it's such a good conductor because of your brass shell and your uh, your your lead bullet. At 30 amps, it might. 30 amps, I think I, we might be in game. I don't think, think there's much smell a better conductor than a lead bullet. Well, a lead okay. bullet's yeah, a pretty brass, damn good conductor. Better, <laughs> but the brass is also a pretty damn good conductor. But if it's steel jacket, it's copper, right? Well, we didn't talk about steel jacket. jacket. We talked about it. A, a, a so what you're saying, though, is the, the bullet could actually stay cold and it'll make all their wiring melt down, but the bullet of such a good conductor is not going to eat it. Could be. I can tell you, when you throw them in the fire, though, they will cook off oh yeah yeah i, mean, I went to boy scout camp when i was a kid right yeah we know I, I know every which way to get the explosion i know where every way to get the pop out of a rim fire yeah but that's yeah. <laughs> that's it so oh he's gonna fire up the uh the jacob's ladder again oh boy
Next week we'll have a. I'm not so much worried about the Jacobs ladder. I'm literally worried about the $35 Optimate that's hooked up on the other side of the 99 cent extension cord. I thought you were getting close to it, John. Let's see if it slows down. If we had a cigarette, I'd light it up, but I used to do that. Yeah, you can do it. Yeah, because it is a good lighter, yeah. Well, this is a shaking. So does that mean that it's not... It is weird how they move around. Does that mean there's mass in electrons? That's a good question. Why do the term? Why is it do the because of the air? Is it causing an air like? Uh, is the explosion? Uh, is the explosion yeah. moving it? Is there a shock wave? Yeah, from the. Like because why is it that a bent piece? I would say it's more electromagnetic because oh. they're ferrous rods. Right. Okay. And there's a current running through them. And it, right. Somehow it attracts them, and then when it breaks, it. Yeah, because it is definitely off. shaking, and it's not air. It's not air causing it to shake. It's literally. I think we should make some. All right, John, try to take a piss on it. Nope. Uh, Not going to do it. Hold my hand. <laughs> my money's still Wait. on no. I think that's his idea. You should hold something else. Hell no. <laughs> to right. the no, no. Now that's no. it. So yeah, to the to the sound of our uh, to the sound of our delightful antique uh, Jacob's ladder here, uh, giving ambiance for our electrical podcast. I hope I hope you guys learned something, you know, in your in your symposium on electricity and the moving of electricity. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> electricity. We didn't introduce more doubt than we did. Uh, I know. Answer questions. Well, that's maybe maybe we'll get people to go to the Facebook page and then throw shit at us that could we we could tune that up a little. There bit. Maybe a, a part two. Yeah, there it could be a part two. Yeah, and it's it is a big. I mean, it's a big topic. All of us sitting here uh, have, have spent time. When we talk about electricity, too, like, there's, like, old school and new school, too. Yeah. There's a whole new school. Well, I think that's why it's good to it's good to acknowledge that CAN bus exists, but if you're thinking about fucking with your CAN bus system and your modern motorcycle, I recommend not. Even backing off of that a little bit, though, yeah. there's, like, the whole, the old cigarette lighter stuff. That's out the window. I mean... Everything needs to be SAE yes, and does. USB. Yes, it does. But that's, yeah. if that's you're a whole right. other podcast. And that's really. true. And, and there are things that, with today's modern, motorcycles now rely on networks of very, very light-powered light data streams coming at the motorcycle's $900 ECU or more. And if that gets fucked with, your warranty is not going to help you anymore. Well, it's the whole thing, too. Like, we had the bikes where the turn signal was built into the gauge cluster. Yes. It's not even a separate thing. No. And you get a brand new bike, right. and the left turn signal's not working. Replace the gauge the, cluster. And you're turning, tearing the whole bike apart and right. trying to figure out what the hell is wrong with it right. and where's the... Right. Oh, no, zero. it's the gauge cluster. It's... My turn signal's don't work on my zero. Why? We don't know. I haven't looked at it yet. Right, Exactly. And that's just, just go straight, man. Just go straight. Man. You know what? Keep them guessing. <laughs> yeah. Keep them guessing. They like that. The uh, give them a, give them a hand signal at the very last possible second. What's the worst you've been shocked? Me? Oh, I was holding a spark plug lead. I was holding a spark plug oh. lead in my hand, completely innocent, not fucking with anybody. Totally innocent, not this fucking is the with anyone. Portion. This is the safety portion. I was holding it in my hand, being cool, not having a problem, and. Uh, I had a friend hooking up a remote start button, a testing purposes <laughs> remote start button, to the to the battery, and he hit the start button while I was holding the spark plug lead of a big Yamaha. <laughs> yeah. Holy and, bejesus. And it did. And it got me all the way to I'm still certain that my fillings arced. 
I'm still pretty certain my fillings actually are, because my jaw hurt for like three days. Could you have AM radio playing in your head? No, no, but <laughs> for the listeners right now, Phil is stroking his beard. Yeah, it hurts. Scratching his jaw. <laughs> What's the worst you've been shot? And, and twitching. Uh, as a child, I remember riding a small, like, a ADCC Indian, uh, one of those Italian Indian dirt bikes, whatever. And I looked down in the, the, the high-tension... Jumping around? Coming off the spark plug. Well, so and you I, decided to just put put it on. And it was running. Right. And I thought, I, I'm just going to take my thumb, and I'm going to push that thing right down tight. Uh-huh. And, and yeah. It, it that got you, didn't it? felt like my arm was shaking by Did the hand. Did you fall off the bike? No, no. But you it held it like, together? Yeah. My, Good job. <laughs> felt like my arm was shaking by the hand of God or something. If <laughs> you work around us for any period of time, and... You don't know this, and at some point I ask you to hold the spark plug wire. Do me a favor. Hang on to the spark plug wire. I don't want it to get sucked up into the flywheel. Just hang on to this for a second. I'm going to give it a quick kick with no spark plug in the hole. You take the spark plug out of the hole so it spins so much faster. And if you give that thing a kick, even a 6-volt bike, doesn't matter. You know, 20,000 volts is 20,000 volts among friends. And I think... I paralyzed Sydney's entire left side of her body when I got her with that. And it took her about a solid 30 seconds to be like, fuck you, asshole. Like, she was in sheer, I'm dying. Like, for 30 seconds, she thought I'd killed her. And that was just her brain coming back online. It was just a quick reboot. And it got her. She said it got, she said it got her hand all the way to her toe. And that was a, a good, solid kick on a Vespa. You know, no battery, just straight up, getting it all right out of the right out of the coil. You know, twenty or thirty thousand volts, no amps, mm. but it lit her right up. Yeah, and it was good because, you know, that type of shock doesn't throw you away from it. You know, that type of shock really gets you to hang in there until that stator, until that flywheel stops moving. The one time I got shocked was by 110. And I was that's AC. Yeah. Oh, that, that that yeah, I've done that plenty. That that was and luckily it threw me on. back. I, my I, uncle it, Tom didn't own a voltmeter. I ended up on my ass, and I was happy to end up on my ass because I got shocked so bad. I'm glad it threw me off. And my I, uncle T literally, I don't think he owned a voltmeter. Mm. That son of a bitch would do wiring in our house. Was like your uncle T. No, that's my grandpa Chuck. <laughs> yeah, grandpa Chuck had the cancer kazoo, but my uncle T was the first guy in Ohio to have an insulin pump. Uh, electric insulin pump back in the day, but he used to come and do wiring in her house and right never fucking 40. never never take a fuse out, never take a fuse out, never unscrew a fuse. I don't. Not once. Nope. He'd work on that shit hot and live, and he'd be like, "Yeah, it's only one ten. It's only one ten. You would tell. Yeah. But you keep your hand one hand in your pocket when you're working on stuff because you don't want to and pull the pipe off. and stick your finger in. Yeah. If you could. You can tap it with your hand in your pocket, and you can feel what, if it's 480 or... Bang! I don't know if I'm willing to agree with that. <laughs> I have been knocked off a fiberglass ladder before by one finger touching the fluorescent light rig. Oh, well, that's... Tw- yeah, but that's like 20,000 volts. Yeah. Well, the, no, no, just the pot, just the feed side. Oh, the feed side. Just the, the feed other side. side's much higher. Right. Not the, not the after the ballast, but... I was up on the ladder, and Wayne told me that he had everything disconnected. And so I'm up on the ladder, and I see this one wire. You know, my whole world is you need it takes two wires to get hurt, because I work on cars and motorcycles. So I'm like, as long as I'm only touching the black wire, I won't be in pro- any problem. 
And sorry, you mean, uh, I got hooked yeah. up into that black wire, one fucking wire, and it damn near knocked me get off a 12 foot ladder. Go get in tight. Oh my god. Fuck. I, I saw Union, the, the BA's son, yeah. cook himself, and he was a laborer, and they were having a laborer do electrical work. Yeah. He was in a sump pit, clamped on to 110, broke three vertebrae. What? From the contraction that he was on, and from shaking, didn't know didn't know how long he was down there cooking. Yeah, but he had clamped on and went down there. The guy's cooking in the and Ace like, and Edison said that AC was safe. Well, it's safer than DC. One arm Joe. DC. One ten DC. Literally, the story starts with one arm Joe. One arm Joe. His motorcycle did the Lake Erie loop. Yeah. He only had one arm. He had one arm, yeah. His, uh, he used his right arm for everything. Everything, because he's one-arm Joe. Because he's one-arm Joe. <laughs> but his deal was he was a, a lineman. Yeah. And somehow he bumped his, he touched something or whatever. And Got between it. Like it, it wasn't so much that it burned him, but it took his his shoulder socket. Mm-hmm. And when all the muscles contracted, oh. they, they, liquef- they just crunched and splintered all the bone. <laughs> To the point where they couldn't do anything. I don't even like knowing that can happen. It just destroyed his whole shoulder socket and all the and burnt and destroyed. I prevented that from happening by not having any strong muscles in my body. Yeah, well, <laughs> that won't happen. To the point where his, his arm would never heal and anything, yeah. and they had to cut his arm. So they off. just cut his arm off. Sweet, fucking Jesus, that's that ridiculous. Back in the sixties. Back yeah. in the day. So hey, guys, on remember on that. Fuck it. Let's all remember to ride fast and take chances. What's that? Which is dangerous. dangerous. As we're sitting not fucking feet away from 25,000 volts, just randomly being allowed to just chooch along happily. Yeah, all right. So, uh, John McAverse is here. I'm working on pushing the button. i got to find the button first. Hold on, here we go. And push the button. And we're done. Push the button. Push the button. Oh no, it's, it still didn't stop. Oh, it still didn't stop. I swear to God, there.